Welcome to That Shady Buffalo Podcast, a podcast about unimportant things that for some reason are important to us. This week's topic, the most unimportant topic we've had so far, I think, uh, Star Wars <laughs> Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Joined, joining me, uh, as always, as we said last week for the Star Wars podcast, is Carson Stafford. Carson, what have you been up to today? Oh, you know, just work, not, not much, preparing for this, uh, preparing to defend Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good stuff. So joining me and uh, Carson, we're going to be adding a third person to different movies, and I'm picking people based off of uh, the people that I think like this movie a lot. Uh, so next week, we'll have someone that I think really likes Revenge of the Sith, and so on and so forth, the rest of the movies. For Attack of the Clones, that person is John Crabtree, undoubtedly. John, uh, you love this movie, right? I, I do really love this movie. <laughs> um, I, I consider this to be um, one of the worst Star Wars movies, <laughs> but arguably probably like top three in my favorite of, so how, of how much I love this movie. I respect that. Yeah, it's uh, it. I I know from a critical point, standpoint that it's a horrible movie, but I yeah. love it so much. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> so, John Carson and I talked last week about how we got into Star Wars, but we have not heard from you. So, what did uh, like what happened in your life to get you into Star Wars? Uh, how did you become a, such a big fan of Star Wars in general? So I got really into Star Wars. Um, well, a- actually, this movie itself is a big reason why I got into Star Wars. This was nice. the Attack of the Clones uh, release in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, was the first movie that I ever purchased on a DVD. Actually, I, th- oh. I-, I actually think it might have been the first movie I've ever purchased. Period. It's yeah, funny. period. And uh, wow. I still have that DVD. It is, uh, it is jacked up. It is real scratched up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I still own it. Um, carrying on into that, I, uh, I, I don't think I watched Revenge of the Sith for a long time after it actually came out. But mm-hmm. I did watch the Star Wars The Clone Wars series, which comes in between this movie and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And that's what really got me into Star Wars. Did you watch the like mainline animated series first, or did you watch the Gindy Tarakowski? Ter- I think is his name. Uh, I, I watched. So I, I watched the uh, the, the early one from two thousand three. Um, okay. Uh, a little bit the Samurai Jack style yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. But mainly, I watched the uh, Dave Filoni based yes. uh, show that that really got me to star wars my favorite star wars character uh captain rex is from from that and uh at that's to this day is really like one of my favorite things i think i think i've rewatched it about 10 times it's awesome so uh that's how you got into star wars it was this movie actually which is kind of why i invited you on here yeah partially. <laughs> uh we also um actually star wars is one of the biggest reasons why we're friends uh right so help me fill in the gaps here but carson and his brother christian invited you to come with them over to my place for a game night a few years ago right yeah it was uh what was that probably 2017 early 2017 maybe even 2016 yeah it was was, at least at least at least four years i remember it was the saturday before mlk day yes and that and that's i don't know why yeah i remember that too but yes 
Um, and we you had think, Pizza King Pizza. What, what was like? Why <laughs> not did, a sponsor? <laughs> not a sponsor. I wish it was though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? Why did they invite you? Because I don't know if I. I don't know if I even know why they added you into that. They invited me because they said we were going to do a game night uh, with uh, their sister, one of our other friends, and your wife. Yeah. And uh, to my knowledge, it was because you had just. Uh, gotten them into a game called Star Wars Destiny, which is a really cool game. It's dead now. Yeah, that's that, it's it, still cool. Yeah, still really cool, but <laughs> it, it's a dead game. Um, cool, but, fan, cool fan community is keeping it going. Yeah, but it's it's not uh, being continued by the company that made it. Yeah, yeah, that, that was my that was my assumption based off of my memory, but you know, memory sometimes can be yeah. faulty. Yeah, I remember that I had just showed the game to Carson and Christian and um, was looking for more uh, victims to start playing destiny with. We actually played destiny just a couple of hours ago. I, uh, I feel like of the, of, of Christian Carson and myself, I got bit by the bug the hardest. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, considering we traveled to Chicago twice and drove all over the place destiny. to play this game yeah. <laughs> competitively. Pretty crazy. So uh yeah if you want to learn about that you can you know send me a message on Instagram yeah. or something i don't know but be happy uh, to facilitate yeah <laughs> but what about attack of the clones let's not get too far yeah. off base here so carson what what do you remember about your first experiences with attack of the clones so attack of the clones is like like really stands out to me in my childhood in a very interesting way because um it was for the longest time like growing up um it was actually like when I was a little kid, at least it was the only prequel movie that I'd seen. Like, so it was the original trilogy. Um, I mentioned last week that I, that the Phantom Menace was actually the last Star Wars movie uh, of the first six made that I saw. Yeah. Um, but before Revenge of the Sith came out in like 2005, I didn't even see that till like a year um, and a half till after that released. Um, and so around like 2000, um, so up till maybe 2007 ish, um, I had not seen, um, or rather the only prequel movie that I'd seen was Attack of the Clones. And one of the things uh, that I loved about Star Wars and like the way that I always like knew about it and stuff was obviously like I mentioned uh, was like Star Wars Legos. Yeah, yeah. I had, I literally, there was a set, there was a Lego set. It was super cool. It was actually like a, it was Anakin's uh, speeder that he takes to, um, go kill the Tuscan Raiders on. Starting off on a dark note, yeah. Um, <laughs> Got to um, capitalize on, on all the best moments of the movie. There's um, not a lot. <laughs> the, that I literally I had that set like two or three different times. It was it, I mean it was That's like funny. A, it was like a cheap fifteen twenty dollars Lego Star Wars set. But I yeah. had um, I had like several versions of that set and. Um, and so like, really the Legos from that movie are actually like, and watching that movie are like my biggest like early memories of it. And it, again, being the only prequel movie that I'd seen because Revenge of the Sith, uh, Revenge of the Sith had not released yet and Phantom Menace, I just hadn't seen it for some reason. So um, when I think to like my earliest first memories of Star Wars, this movie actually is what like my mind immediately goes to. Not even the original trilogy. Wow. Uh, when I think of Star Wars, um, as like in my experience with it as a young kid it's this movie that's interesting yeah i think that that's pretty stark contrast to my experience like as i mentioned last week 
watched the original trilogy first and watched them many, many times before I watched any prequel. Um, and out of the three prequels, the one that I think I've seen the most and the one that I have the strongest memories of as a kid is definitely Phantom Menace. I think the uh, marketing push, the toy push, um, I can remember my uncle having like, he bought tons of the action figures because if you, if you think about it, it makes tons of sense. Like in, in 1999, if you were in your 20s or 30s, you would be old enough to remember that the toys like took off for the original trilogy. You made, you know, if you had those toys, you can make tons of money. So he bought a bunch of the action figures for the Phantom Menace and kept them in the boxes and everything. And they might be worth something now, but they didn't take off the same way the original trilogy toys did. Um, but they, they really pushed that movie hard, I felt like, and did not do as much for episodes two and three. To this day, I have a uh, I have a little Jar Jar uh, stuffed animal that and every time you squeeze his belly, his tongue comes flying out. Oh, my gosh. And uh, he makes like the weird sound yeah. when, whenever he does it. And uh, that's that that's in my in, in like a box in the garage <laughs> right now. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, I think that's kind of like this movie and as well as Revenge of the Sith really I don't have specific memories tied to them like when I first watched it or my first impressions I remember just like kind of liking all of the prequels when I was a kid and then eventually started to turn on different ones at different times um and you know it, it happened kind of over the course of years so I don't really have a specific like oh this is the moment when I realized I didn't like this movie as much as I liked a new hope or whatever. Um, but as I mentioned last week, trying to go through and kind of try to look at these with fresh eyes, try to find the good and uh, kind of like try to find a way to learn to love and appreciate these movies. And I felt like I felt really good about Phantom Menace. Like I, I finished it and we finished that podcast and I was like, yeah, there's some bad stuff in here. And I, and me and you both Carson gave it a six out of 10, which not a really great score. Wasn't it a 6.5 though? I think we oh, yeah, 6.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, I would give it a seven, but I but we were kind of trying to do that whole like don't wimp out because a seven is kind of like a cop out. So we went, so we copped out and put 6.5. 6.5. Yeah. <laughs> so so you know, like not a not a great score, but I can remember a time where I would be like, oh yeah, that's a two. It's terrible because Jar Jar is the worst. Like and, and I come to a spot where there is things, there are there are things that are still. I can't handle about that movie. Um, but I found a lot of positives in there. And I found ways to laugh at some of the bad things. Um, this movie was a bit more of a struggle. <laughs> so we'll get into that. But uh, this this one took a little bit more from me. And I'm still not quite sure if I'm there yet. So I'm going to talk about this with you guys and go through the movie with you guys to try to see if maybe talking about it can get me there. Uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to do just a little bit differently than we did last week. We're going to kind of, uh, lump the movie into different acts. Uh, it has a pretty clear three act structure structure to some extent. And so I'm going to go through bit by bit each act and then we're going to kind of discuss our thoughts over the different scenes and moments that we have in those acts. And then we'll take a break and come back and kind of go over our, our overall thoughts on the film, both positive and negative. But before we start going into Act 1, we're going to take a break here. So we're going to have a quick break and come back with the opening in Act 1 of uh, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, in just a minute here. Welcome back. 
let's get started with Attack of the Clones. So, Act 1 opens up with the crawl. Um, some similarities there, talking about political things like Padme working against the Military Creation Act. Um, she's on her way to Coruscant. We have the opening scene with her and her uh, troop landing on the landing platform, uh, the ship being blown up, and then it's a decoy, not her. Corday. Same, same as, uh, yeah, Corday, but it's a different decoy, but same ideas, Phantom Menace. Um, and then we have a scene with the Chancellor talking to the Jedi about the whole issue of this Military Creation Act. Um, a lot of it's kind of rushed over, kind of like how we're rushing through the plot a little bit, but uh, it's quickly skimmed through. Um, and then you have Padme and Anakin meeting because Palpatine decides that uh, things aren't safe for Padme. It seems pretty obvious that he wants Padme and Anakin to be around each other, uh, but he wants, he tasks Obi-Wan, you know, he wants Obi-Wan to uh, protect Padme. And he knows that obviously that Anakin is, pa- is Obi-Wan's apprentice at this point. So um, they meet up and reunite Jar Jar, Padme, Obi-Wan, and Anakin after 10 years apart. Then um, in the middle of the night, uh, there's this crazy assass- assassination plot that we'll get into later. But uh, the bounty hunter sends the droid to Padme's room with the little centipede, millipede worm things that are going to kill her somehow. And Obi-Wan and Anakin save the day. They uh, Obi-Wan <laughs> jumps out the window on top of the droid <laughs> and chases after the bounty hunter. Anakin and Obi-Wan track the bounty hunter down, but the bounty hunter is killed by her uh, boss. And then the council decides that uh, Padme is not safe here. So Anakin is going to take Padme off to Naboo. And Obi-Wan is going to figure out who hired uh, Zam, who's the bounty hunter that died, and uh, what's going on, and who's trying to kill Padme, and why. And that's pretty much Act 1. Uh, setup of the movie, and then, like the first like action beats, and kind of getting the characters all together, and then, and then uh, separating them out into the main chunk of the movie. So what are you guys' thoughts on these first like handful of scenes here? Any big takeaways or any small things that stood out that you um, enjoy or don't enjoy <laughs> about this part of the movie? One big takeaway that I think uh, is, is pretty evident here is, especially in the meeting with uh, Chancellor Palpatine and the Jedi Council, and then uh, Padme comes in directly. And this is, this is at the point where uh, Palpatine says, well, maybe we should have Jedi guards and has Anakin brought in. Uh, it feels like this is where we're really starting to see the first puppet master part of Palpatine that we'll see throughout the entire uh, Skywalker saga, um, because he's starting to put people in places that he uh, that he hasn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, be- because he's not very manipulative in the in, in the in the first or in uh, the Phantom Menace. I I think he is, but I think he's a lot less obvious. Yeah. They, they make it more clear. Um, we'll get into that later because Palpatine in this movie is something I want to talk about, Yeah, but it's more, not just this scene. Uh, it's more the, the whole movie versus how he is in Phantom Menace to me. But yeah, I think he's more, he's more clearly like obviously 
making orders because he's the chancellor now. Yeah, he 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 has more power. He's able to to put more things to his will. Um, also, another big part is I think it shows the arrogance of the Jedi Order right off the bat. Yeah. Um, because Mace Windu is he's always wrong. Yeah, he's always wrong, and the the thing is, he's he's like second in command of the entire Jedi Order. He's well. Reference what you're talking about when you say that yeah, he's oh, wrong. So <laughs> that's a good, that's a very good point. Thank you for getting me on track. Well, we know we yeah. know. But yeah, the listener may not know exactly what line we're referring to here. So Padme walks in and makes the accus- accusation, which is correct, yeah. that Count Dooku is behind the, her assass the the attempt on her life, yes. the assassination attempt, and. <laughs> Uh, Mace just stares her down and says, no, no way. He yeah. used to be a Jedi. He's not capable of such things. Yeah. And in the same meeting, uh, Yoda even talks about how the, uh, the, the Jedi are not as, they, they don't have as much power as they used to, that their skills are weakening because the power of the dark side is getting stronger and they don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, clearly. Um, okay, so yeah, I think there's a, I think those are two pretty big takeaways from that first chunk. That's the kind of things that I w- would have pointed out. Um, Carson, anything else you want to add from this first like act of the movie? Yeah, so there's a couple things. Um, I I'll just start at the beginning. So the, I sure. actually really like the um, opening. I think it's cool. I like the um, like you see this awesome ship uh, fly in with the escort and everything. You kind of get a um, this is the first time we see that massive scope of Coruscant. Um, you see it yeah. a little bit of Phantom Menace, but it's daytime. It's entirely different when it's foggy, gray. Yeah. So that looks really well, neat. and you get to see it in the opening scene. You get to see it during the daytime, and then you get right. to see it at night a few right. minutes later, which is really uh, cool. And so then the explosion, so you get like the action packed uh, in the beginning. Really uh, rips the Band-Aid off. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It gets the movie going. I, and so I actually really like the opening of the movie. Um, one thing I do want to say real quick, this is kind of like a minute detail, but uh, Padme when she's talking to Anakin like her first introduction back to Anakin I actually this might be a hot take I don't know like I don't think it's that terrible because I think she is like legitimately just poning him uh, <laughs> because when she's like oh you're always that uh, little boy that little boy I knew on Tatooine like I that is absolutely hilarious to me so I just wanted to point that out what? Um, in the context of the whole trilogy so many of their interactions are are odd but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't hate that part. <laughs> so like, so like there's that. And then, um, but like, I think one of like the first um, great, like actually good scenes. Um, and I actually, again, uh, like how the movie starts out. I really enjoy the chase scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. Uh, between like where they're chasing Zam. Um, you see a lot of Coruscant. Um, you get great visuals. The sounds uh, is like the sound engineering in that part is phenomenal. Yeah, the sound design in this movie is really good. And then that's actually maybe the part of the movie where you get the best dialogue, maybe, um, in terms of, like, exchanges between characters. I like the the banter back and forth between Anakin and Obi-Wan in that. It actually feels, like, um, pretty, like, how it would be between, like, a master apprentice, kind of what you'd want it to be, um, and kind of how they do it in the next movie. Um, but... I really like how that scene kind of starts. Um, there are some criticisms, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that are easy to make. Um, like I, I want to point out, like uh, it was it was bound to come up at some point, like how how funny it is because we joke about it all the time. That like 
Palp sends Dooku, Dooku sends Django, Django sends Zam, Zam sends a robot, the robot sends worms. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, Padme. it's like seven <laughs> so, layers of plot. Yeah, it, it's like, it, which, like, that, that, of it, like, that is obviously really silly, but, like, you, like, I've had to see, like, watch that movie, like, so many times to even, like, pick up on how silly that is. Yeah, they, uh, they hide it pretty well, I think. Yeah, they do, and, like, ideally, it's just, like, it's Django goes to killer, you don't have Zam, you don't have all that. Ideally, in my opinion, it's just Django, and then they're able to track Django through, basically, like, Django gets away, um, and they're able to track him in a similar way. Like he leaves behind a clue that leads them to Coruscant, yeah. or to Camino rather, excuse me. Um, but I, I, that scene, um, I actually really like, like, I feel like the opening of this movie is relatively strong, um, like considering yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. Um, I, and, but I love that chase scene. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like the ending of the chase scene. Um, me to, too, me too. Going into the bar, yeah. um, or going into the cantina. Um, and you get a little bit of foreshadowing shadowing because obi-wan says verbatim i feel like you're going to be the death of me yeah when, well also you have a bar scene including obi-wan where somebody loses an arm yep <laughs> like he is there you this, go. he's yeah. this time but he's he, he's he's good at cutting people's arms off in bars as george lucas says it's it's poetry it rhymes yeah <laughs> so my there's a lot of small things that i caught on this watch and just like on phantom menace there were a lot of things that I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, some things that were like good funny, like, oh, that's interesting. Some things that were like, oh, that's not great, but I'm going to laugh at it. <laughs> One of them, uh, they deliberately don't show Padme's face until after the explosion and you see her pull off the helmet, which I never really, like, I just kind of, I don't know if it's because I had seen Phantom Menace first, but um, like they show the queen who you assume, or not the queen, Senator, uh, the, like the decoy, from the back uh so you see like her hair and you see the outfit and so you could assume that's padme if you hadn't seen the movie if, it, if, it, if it's your first watch or if you didn't know about the decoy plot from the first movie like you guys didn't <laughs> when you first watched this movie yeah uh that, that was pretty cool i thought um palpatine like looked kind of off and i don't know if it's the new disney plus versions um or if it's some kind of a lighting thing but like the, his two first scenes in the first act he has the scene with the jedi that we talked about a minute ago he has the scene with just him and anakin talking before anakin leaves with padme and both scenes are in his office and they're during the daytime and there's just big open windows of like light pouring in and there's a multiple times in this movie where uh the visuals are kind of like flooded with light and they can become kind of washed out and look really weird and i don't know if that's a new thing I know that they're still tinkering with stuff. I mean, we, we got McClunky added into A New Hope in Disney+. Plus. I don't know if this I'd never noticed that before. I watched these movies like just two years ago before I watched Rise of Skywalker, and I didn't catch that. So I, I may have just not, known, not, not caught it, but still. Um, the other thing, uh, a lot of the oh, Anakin and Obi-Wan stuff, some of it is good and some of it is bad, and I'm going to hit on that later at the end because it's, it's kind of a big picture thing to me. But one funny thing in this section here was uh, in the scene where the centipede worms come into the room, they like come down the window because the droid like injects them, like opens the glass or cuts the glass and they come through, they fall down and they're like moving up towards Padme on the bed. And R2 is like kind of scanning the room on standby mode or something. And somehow he like notices or something and turns and the centipede's stop moving so like 
Do the centipedes know they're being watched? Are they sneaking around? Like they're bugs, <laughs> but like they like legit act like they're sneaking around. Like they're like they're special killer bugs. We can't be seen by this droid. He'll stop us from our job. Like we won't. Our, if we our, fail, our, we won't get paid. <laughs> R two is like a T Rex. If you move, he can't. If, yeah, he can see you. It was that was really funny. Uh, also, like Obi Wan just like lo- like lunges out that window. Like, what if he's just like, a little bit off? Like, he was, like it's the that same seems way- like a very reckless thing to do, and it, it seems like something that if Anakin did it, he would one hard- oh yeah. he would one hundred percent hardcore chastise him about. But like we talked about last week, is Phantom Menace. There's a couple of things where like if this just doesn't work out, the whole like saga is just not going to happen. Like if he just misses that droid, like there's only two movies. <laughs> well, and and in that in that in that scene, Zam who is apparently deadly accurate with her rifle yeah to the point where she, she shoots the droid. the droid what if she just aimed like a foot lower and shot obi-wan yeah or or if she just like i mean you the plot to kill uh padme is already like 18 layers deep so what if she was just like oh no the centipedes are a distraction they're a diversion i'm gonna be like posted up outside the window with my sniper rifle like obi-wan leaps out the window for the droid and anakin immediately like leaves padme alone to go get a speeder and then, like, Padme's by herself yeah. in a glass, like, uh, apartment a million miles off, off the ground. The window's already like, blown out of. Literally a sniper's, like, dream. Like, that was, like, something I was like, well, she could just be there, like, across the street. <laughs> and yeah. no one would know. Uh, I mean, maybe the force would tell them or whatever. One more funny thing. Uh, well, actually, a couple things. <laughs> one of them was, I think this is the only example of, like, a good uh, Jedi mind trick. What I mean by good is like non-manipulative, right? Because like every time that a Jedi uses the mind trick, it's like to get what they want. Like this time he's just like, you're a drug dealer and you should go be a better person. And I'm just gonna like- very much in that like early- Go home and rethink your life. Anti-drug era. Yeah, yeah. Just say no. Just say no. Like it was, every other time we see the mind trick, it's always like, I need some money or like, I'm going to get caught by the empire. So I need you not to see me. Yeah. Like it's always very manipulative and self-serving. And this time he's like, Obi-Wan's just like, I want to help this guy. (laughs) He can do better. Uh, uh, This is a question, actually. This might not be a nitpick. It might be a nitpick, but it might might just be an actual thing I'm just wrong about. So my understanding of the Satine and Obi-Wan timeline of events Shouldn't Obi-Wan recognize Mandalorian armor when he sees Jango Fett blast off after he kills Sam? Yeah, he definitely should. And maybe, and, maybe he does, they just don't mention yeah. it. Because I mean, this is like this is a byproduct of the fact that this movie came out and then they went back and filled in the lore. Yeah. They did it backwards, kind of, which is Star Wars' MO. So for, for those of for those of you who don't know, Satine is yeah. the uh she she's a character in the Clone Wars series, and she's essentially like she's love Obi-Wan's interest. Obi-Wan's love interest yeah. that uh obi-wan even says in in the in the show that if she would have asked him to leave the order he would have done it yeah so it's an interesting connection if you are looking for ways to make the prequels kind of kind of fill in the gaps of the prequels and make things make a little bit more sense the the show does a a very good job of doing that but yeah that's my first thought was like part of that is like we see a lot more mandalorian armor now with the mandalorian yeah so i was kind of like that shouldn't be the first time he's seen Mandalorian armor because he he meets Satine with why he's at a, why he's under Qui Gon Jinn's like mastery, right? So like, yeah. so I, anyways, that's a small thing, but that's something I just noticed in the context of now that I've seen Clone Wars, now that I've seen Mandalorian and other stuff, it's a lot more common now. When, when I was a kid, I would never have even thought about that. But um, 
other than that, uh, there's some big picture things that I want to get into later. Um, I want to give a shout out to the, the library scene with Yoda and the, and the younglings. I think it's a great scene in the movie. Um, you get the foreshadowing of Anakin's dreams, which plays in more into Revenge, into Revenge of the Sith. Um, but I think act one is the best act of the movie. Uh, I mean, you get Dex. At, at Dex, Dex is... Is fine, <laughs> but I think that I think for, for me, Act Two is clearly the worst, and it's between Act One and Three. Which one do you like the most? Um, and for me, I think Act One is the best act of the movie. There's some problems in there, and I'll get into them when we get to the big picture stuff. Um, but I think Act One is the best act of the movie. But both of you guys talked about how it's a good act. Like I think it's a good opening. It sets up stuff really well. Um, there are some similarities between some of the political things with this movie and Phantom Menace, but I feel like this kind of sets it up more clearly than the Phantom Menace does. Um, the Phantom Menace politics stuff is kind of confusing. It doesn't really like, they don't ever really explain it. So they just like mention it or not really dive into it. Whereas this movie is pretty clear, like some people want to create an army to help protect the Republic and some people are against that. That's pretty much it. Um, and they talk about it a little bit in Act One. They kind of drop it until it becomes very important in Act Three. Yeah. But that's kind of my takeaway overall in Act One. So Act Two starts off with Obi Wan going to Kamino because he, you know, he finds his lost planet, and Anakin and Obi Wan going to Naboo to hide. And this is where the love story really kicks into gear. There's some uh, hints at it here and there, but. It really takes off. So yeah, they you, dial that speed up to 10 real fast. Got, I, I forgot how fast it was. We were actually watching it together on the Disney Plus like group watch thing. And Carson, you sent a text like, oh, don't worry. It's getting ready to pick back up. And like the next scene, they, they kiss. And I just forgot that. Like, I forgot that she kisses him after the I hate sand line. And and they literally <laughs> get like, they that, just got that off line the boat worked. At, 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 the, <laughs> at where they're at. The thing is like, everyone makes fun of that line, but it worked. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a bunch of different scenes between the, the two of them that we'll get into some of that later. Basically, there's a lot of flirting back and forth and a lot of will, will they, won't they. Trying to flirt is what we should call it. I this. mean, it, it works. Yeah, so somehow. I don't know. Like, I won't judge him if it works. Hey, he put um, a ring on it. He put a ring on it by yeah. the end of the movie. So alongside the love stuff, you have um, Camino and uh, Obi-Wan gets there and learns of the clone army that's being created for the Republic. Um, meets Django Fett they tangle for a little while and and he tracks him to Geonosis and they fight there with the spaceships which is probably my favorite scene is just that space battle there Um, and then he lands on Geonosis gets captured and sends an SOS well he's sending a message about like the location of Geonosis and he has to use Anakin to get it to to get it all the way back to Coruscant because it's too far away and he has he got damaged but um, Anakin is not on Naboo anymore. They're on Tatooine because he has a dream and has to go save his mother. Um, he goes there, finds his mom uh, kidnapped from Tusken Raiders or by, by Tusken Raiders. Um, and she dies in his arms and he loses it and kills all of the Tusken Raiders in the entire camp. And that's pretty much the end of Act 2. Um, Padme and Anakin tell the Jedi Council about Obi-Wan being captured um, and they send help, and Anakin and Padme themselves go to help. And then, so then by the third act of the movie, everyone's back together again on Genosis. But let's take a minute to dive into to Act Two. So, what do you think about Act Two? So, Act Two, um, I actually think this is 
like I, I, I go in reverse order of what I think you think are, are the best acts. <laughs> um, I think the third act's the best, second is the best, and the first is Hang the on. worst. Is it best, best? Oh. Uh, I think the third act is? Yeah, third is the best, second is second, first is the worst. No, I would say one, three, two, so I'm not that far off. Okay. Uh, so I, I love the Camino uh, scene when – Obi-Wan comes in. I mean, we, we get we get one of the best prequel memes is Obi-Wan's face. He's soaking wet coming in from, from the rain of Kamino. And it's the visible confusion meme. Yeah. Because he just walks into the biggest bombshell the Republic has ever had dropped in their laps. <laughs> it just finds out, yeah, there's a 10 million man army that we've been just making sight for unseen a for you for a decade that you didn't know about. So Our, wild. But, but you know about it, right? And they, and he's like, well, yeah, that's that's why I'm here to inspect the troops that I didn't know we had. Also, Obi-Wan is the worst liar in that scene. And they don't care. They're just like, it's all the same money-wise. It doesn't matter. But he's like... It depends on how big your pocketbook is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, as Dex says. Yeah, Obi-Wan, like, every response is like, yeah, that's that's why I'm, why I'm here for sure. Yeah. Like, it's like, wow, he's so clearly lying. <laughs> and they don't care. Or they don't know. One or the other. Yeah. Or, or they're in on it. Maybe. Hot yeah. take. Hot take. They're in on it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's very, it, 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 I, I like to see how Obi-Wan moves through this. Um, like you said, he's a terrible liar. <laughs> um, and honestly, I feel like Obi-Wan's kind of fumbling his way through it just to try to get as much information as he can. Um, simply due to the fact that there's now a 10 million or like a 10 million man army with another million on the way that they didn't know about. And the, uh, when, when he even relays that information back to the Jedi council said Yoda immediately goes, how did we not know that 10, however many, an entire army's worth of life forces were being created and we didn't feel a thing and not know about it. Yeah. And for, I mean, the Jedi Order's got like around 10, they say the thousands of them. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact number. The fact that none of them just stumbled on to Camino at some point yeah. is uh, is kind of shocking in its own. <laughs> uh, granted, it was uh, deleted from the archives, but I'm sure there was another <laughs> map somewhere in the universe that had Camino on it. Absolutely not. No. Nope. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <no. laughs> this random like diner pay, uh, diner owner like knows Camino. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's Camino. Yeah, he you was know. prospecting on Subterrail. <laughs> but it's pretty good. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I, I I do think that that scene is really cool. It does build a lot for us. That being said, they introduce a lot of characters that you have no idea who they are, and they never go into detail on it. Yeah, that's one of my biggest problems with it. Uh, that the obvious problem with Act Two, I think, is the love story. But I think that the plot gets so confusing and muddled here. And I've watched this movie dozens of times, probably, and every time I'm like, now, do they ever answer that question? And they never do. Is is typically the answer. Uh, they just don't ever answer it because it, it becomes irrelevant by the end of the movie. But it's the entire act two is this whole mystery plot. And they just drop out so much of it. I'll get into the more of that at the end. But um, Carson, what are your takeaways for act two? So act two is starts with some very ambitious writing, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's one way of putting it. That because that's actually one of my biggest uh like and i'll talk about a little bit more later like comparing this movie to phantom menace yeah but i feel like those these movies 
uh, differ very much in that for many reasons in terms of like ambition, what it sets out to do, uh, which that's normal. Um, but uh, the whole like investigation of, that Obi-Wan's doing, the whole just like clone army thing, Kamino, it's so creative. Um, it's such a neat plot line. I love the idea of it. Um, and I feel like this movie is uh, like full of great to good uh, ideas that just kind of miss or strike out on execution totally. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is maybe one of the good examples. And you guys kind of already touched on it in terms of like um, the whole like Sifo-Dyas thing. Yeah. Um, that's like they they should have clarified that a better um and i feel like this is a I feel or like at all movies. yeah yeah i, I mean <laughs> I like it, is... it takes a really long time for them to even touch on that in the clone wars right so, which yeah w- w- which is where they can flush out w- which is where they do flush out a lot all of that stuff all that stuff and they don't even really do it in that yeah yeah and so like i think that they should have clarified that and i think this is definitely a movie that like if it gets made 15 years later um even same people making it uh it that's something that just doesn't happen because that's kind of like a weird era of movies i think um where like it kind of almost falls into like that superhero uh genre where it was like it wasn't like the most high quality where just like we there's weird little things that don't make a ton of sense that it's like oh this is like a sci-fi world don't think too hard about it turn your brain off for this um so um but not, but i think it definitely falls victim to that in uh but one of my biggest takeaways from this portion of the movie is why on earth like it is way too easy to make an army in this universe <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, so you have so you have the droid you have the droid uh, army. they have their own army so so out of nowhere i want to point out the fact the republic does not have an army they don't have one well, they, that's why the yeah, clones are made. Yeah, they, they have the Jedi, I guess, but they don't have they an have, army. They have the yeah. Jedi that are peacekeepers, but they're not warriors. Well, Peace and planet kind of has their own warriors, but some of them do. Like, yeah, the Grand Republic does not have an their army. Army. Uh, so well, they didn't need it for a long, long time. Which, yeah. yeah, I guess not. That's a, but well, that's commentary the somewhere. You have the Separatists building their own army, and then you have an army that the Republic wasn't even building. So you have all of a sudden, technically, two armies that in, in one decade no one, knew one of them doesn't even belong to the republic yet it's just ten, i mean like the money does uh but it wasn't like <laughs> voted on or the people don't know about it that no one knows about it it's no one so knows about it other than, like three people it's it's more so palpatine's army than it is the republic's army yeah so yeah, it's you, like you would there's think two it, armies uh, out there and it just doesn't belong to the people in charge so that's really funny to me you would think at one point one of these clones would have just like snuck out for a joyride one day and got like <laughs> got lost. That's funny. I now I will say hot, hot take here. I think the Obi Wan Jango fight on Camino in the rain. I think that's the best one on one or like two on one fight in the entire movie. I, I, in this movie or in in in, in this movie. Sorry, yeah, in, in this movie, I, I think it's better than any lightsaber duels. That's not anything. a hot take. I yeah. don't think because Dooku. Christopher Lee being so I don't know, old. the Anakin had May fights pretty good. <laughs> when, they're, when they're rolling around with the space pig. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, like, the Dooku, like, we'll get to that in a few minutes, but the Dooku fight, uh, Christopher Lee is so old that that's kind of 
it's still got it, skills. It's though. hindered by yeah. him having to use a stunt double and that kind of stuff. So I think that that's not. I'm not even sure. That I I would agree with you with that. If 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 the two options that I can think of are, right are now between are the two, those two, yeah. and even if you count the Yoda part as a separate part, yeah, uh, that's still will be not better than Django Obi Wan part. Yeah. So for me, Act Two. Um, first of all, Naboo still looks really great. That little Italian village where they film Naboo, wherever it's somewhere in Italy, I'm pretty sure. Uh, still looks awesome. I really like seeing it looks realistic while also still looking like it doesn't belong in the real world, which it literally is the real world, just with some CGI and stuff. But um, I still like that. We also have um, the love story, which really is kind of what takes stuff apart um oh it's spain you're right yeah it's spain so you know italy spain you're close my dad's been there that's really cool why didn't you go were you too young no my dad was stationed in the navy there and uh that's amazing yeah and he he was like it it was actually like a couple months ago he was scrolling through pictures like yeah i went over here in the navy i was like oh my gosh that's from attack of the clones r2 should be right behind that padman but Actually, I want to say something real quick about like when yeah, you yeah. mentioned like the love uh, stuff, there is a very interesting line of dialogue um, that I actually um, haven't uh, like realized before. I obviously heard it's like, like at least 10 times, um, but it's, um, it's during, I, I, I don't remember exactly what scene. It might be the dreaded fireplace scene uh, with Anakin and Obi-Wan, but it's kind of when they- yeah. Obi Wan and with the fireplace scene. Oh, Obi Wan wearing that black dress. <laughs> That's unfortunate. That headband. Um. Yeah, so sorry. Um. Where where Padme tells Anakin, if you follow your thoughts uh, to conclusion, you will it take a path scene. Yeah. we cannot go. Um. And that's such an interesting parallel. Went to in Revenge of the Sith when they're on Mustafar, and she says, "You're going down a path I can't follow." Yeah. I like. Cool. I'm not. One hundred, like, I feel like it's easy to knock George uh, for like some of the dialogue writing, the prequels and plot stuff, but like that seems too parallel to me to be accidental. The problem um, with it, and we'll get into that later. The problem with it is like the actual context in the scene. That line makes no sense to me, but the connection is really cool. Yeah, and and that's what he's he's really good with connections. Not always good with like the Ex- actual yeah. execution in the moment. Right. <laughs> One of the downfalls of this movie is the lack of context that you get for the majority of the scenes in it. Yeah. And when when you put stuff in the when you go back and fill in context, it makes it a lot more uh, realistic and, and, and it makes it normal. Like the like the scene in this is going back to act one, but in the scene when they're uh, they're packing Anakin like goes off about obi-wan and the jedi order yeah and he finally has this person that's given him a chance to talk about uh how how his feelings which he clearly can't control as we'll see throughout the entire series of the skywalker saga <laughs> uh you you kind of you kind of see that you you see it a little bit nor- normally because deep down he is still that little boy from Tatooine, and he hasn't been able to really express himself because he's always been a slave or he's been shoved into being a monk with a sword yeah so i'll get into the love stuff at the end because that is one of my biggest negatives of the movie so i want to take some time to dive into all of it not just like 
there, although most of it is in Act Two, I want to like really dive into some of this stuff um, from the love stuff at the end here. So for Act Two, other than the love stuff, a lot of there is like some good stuff here. Um, the the problem I have with the Camino stuff, it all looks really good. There's a good fight scene with Django and Obi Wan. Then when they go up, in the, you know, when when Obi Wan tracks him in his starfighter and they fight over Genosis, I love that scene too. I like that scene even, even more. You get the best um, sound in Star Wars. In that seismic charge, man. That sound effect. Wah, that wah, sound wah. design. Whoever came up with that needs a, a raise. Um, although it doesn't make sense. Uh, so this seismic charge goes off, um, and then he switches over to just his blasters from the Slave One mm-hmm. and actually damages uh, Obi-Wan's Starfighter. And then he's like, let's finish him off and switches over to the missiles. And I was like, why don't you just keep using the blasters? Because that worked already. <laughs> well, and then and then the other thing about when he uses the missile, the missile closes an immense amount of gap very fast. Yeah. And, and then, then just stays, stays like right out. out. It's plot yeah, armor, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's something. But it's still overall. I still like it a lot. Um, Carson, you and I talked about last week in the Phantom Menace. Um, is Watto a bad guy? And does he deserve all of the junk that gets thrown his way. Uh, and we see whether you say he is bad or deserves it or not. In this movie, you see Qui-Gon Jinn ruined his life. <laughs> like <laughs> that man's life is, is basically over uh, in this movie. <laughs> and it's pretty to much, the point where he had to sell Shmi. He like literally is like kind of a hobo beggar type guy now, which I, I guess is supposed to be like, look, that's what you get if you gamble too much. Like you, you, you can just lose all your possessions. Now you're a hobo. Like, which that's a valuable lesson, I guess. Uh, but it just seems like the counter to that is like Qui Gon Jinn just ruined this guy's life, <laughs> which makes me laugh. But um, there's some other stuff like the separatist meeting. I thought was really cool seeing that like them all around the table together. Like you get Wat Tambor and you get New Gun. No, no, actually, New, New isn't there yet. But you get. Um, one of the moon mun species yeah. the banker you get all these different aliens together which is like one of the first big scenes of a bunch of aliens in this movie uh, other than the jedi scene in the very beginning where they're all in palpatine's office one, one of what i think is one of the funniest scenes is when they're having that meeting and obi-wan's just standing standing there in the shadows and it pans over to obi-wan's face and his and his mouth is actually hanging open yeah. like Oh my God! Yeah. This has been happening, and so no great. one knew about it. Um, and to go back to Tatooine, the um, when when Anakin and Obi Wan, Anakin Obi Wan, here we go again. Anakin and Padme get to the Lars homestead. Three um, PO like has tact, like he's pretty much known for being like the blundering like idiot that kind of like says things that are stupid a lot, and he like. Sees Anakin, he's like, "Oh, hey, master," and then he greets him, whatever. And then Anakin asks about his mom. He's like, "Oh, Maybe we should just go we should inside." Go inside. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, he actually like has some tact and grace," which is funny to me because it's not really what he's known for. Even though he's a particle droid, so like he should be good at that, and he is here. I don't know, whatever. Um, but the funeral scene for for Shmi is really good. I think there's a couple of lines that are delivered kind of wonky by Anakin, um, by Hayden Christensen at the end of the scene. But overall, I like that scene a lot. And um, even before that, like with uh, Hayden uh, Christensen playing Anakin, 
uh, in this movie, like it's easy, like again, it's he, it's pretty low hanging fruit to pick on him. Oh um, yeah, for sure. It's just like it's it's blatantly not great at a lot of points. Uh, but I legitimately, I do want to give him props for his acting um, in in uh, the scene with his mom where she dies in his arms. Yes, that's he a very good scene. Yeah, he that's the, that's his best acted scene of the movie, and I don't of even the, say that in a of bad the two way. Movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, in like the way you just like see him like falling apart like yeah. it literally it seems like he is like Hayden Christensen's mom is dying in his yeah. arms yeah I, 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 I almost forgot that scene so thank you for bringing it up that's my favorite Anakin scene probably in terms of his acting in both movies well the implications of that are, are just are so huge uh, simply due to the fact that for Anakin's entire life being a slave being a, a a uh, Jedi Padawan, he has had nothing. And the only thing in his life has been his mom. Yeah. And that's the one thing he's been able to hold to is like, yeah, I've been gone for a really long time, but mom's still back on Tatooine and I know she loves me. Yeah. And now that's gone too. Yeah. Even uh, like else, like earlier are actually following that scene, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the, like him's just slaughtering the Tusken Raiders. Uh, I feel like that's actually like a solid scene. Like, no, yeah, I, the, like, the entire like scene. Cool. Like the moment. It's like a cool thing to see uh, him just like going absolutely ham on them. Um, and, when it, and it's played like sometimes Star Wars can do the thing where they make they make you cheer for violence and bloodshed. Yeah, <laughs> and well, they don't do that here. Yeah, the they, music yeah, is very the like music, this is the bad. way the music works in that it's like like right the second yeah. his mom dies, the music picks up and he's it's, and he's like it's like he's losing his mind. Yeah. yeah, literally, and um, he sees and red as that scene as that scene's ending. Something that I actually didn't notice. I noticed it. I think it was as I was maybe rewatching uh, all six movies leading up to the Force Awakens. So it's been <laughs> several years. <laughs> yeah, I noticed it. But um, right after, he, as he like, I think like he he makes like a slap like i'm trying to remember the camera but i think he makes like a slashing motion as he like kills like as they show him killing like the last one or something and then yeah. it cuts away to yoda um in like, oh, i love that number, and you can hear vader's breathing um, oh yeah you, you you hear three things you hear, you hear breathing, not like in imagination or anything like it's very yeah. obviously yeah. very like, well, you... loud in the audio mix um and, and yoda's like uh very He's like Skywalker's in deep uh, pain. Yeah, he says he mentions that. Um, yeah, and, and hearing Qui Gon was super cool, especially in the context of like uh, not having any uh, Force ghosts yet in yeah, Star Wars. Right. So, yeah, in the in the novelization of this book or, or of of this movie, um, Star Wars does that where they put out a uh, a book version of every movie. And uh, Yoda, it, it goes into Yoda's internal thoughts. When that happens, he's like, what? I just heard Qui-Gon's voice. Qui-Gon's dead. There's no, that something weird just happened. And that's why he doesn't bring it up to Mace because he doesn't want to seem like he's a crazy old man. And yeah, he's, he's scared because one, Mace has already proven that he's pretty arrogant <laughs> and uh, is the more aggressive one of the two you know what 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 could happen if i'm not here to help help hold that rain in yeah it's 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 a really cool scene so there's some good stuff in it see like just talking through this stuff it's making me like the movie a little bit more so uh i think my my last my last couple of points here 
I don't understand why 3PO goes with Anakin and Padme. Yeah, they don't really ever they go into that. He just like is with them on the ship and they just leave. So they just steal a droid from and I think, I think it's like Anakin was like, hey, I'd like to have this. It was plot convenience. He was like, hey, this is mine. I'll take it. Yeah, like it isn't something that I'm that I'm saying like, oh, here's a big piece of evidence. That's why this is a crap movie. I'm just like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. There's also a scene when, when they first land at the Lars homestead where R2 is like struggling in the sand. Yeah. And he makes it probably a, like a good 30 yards away from the ship. And then Anakin turns back to him and says, no, no, no. Stay, stay on the ship like why did you even let him off <laughs> he's been struggling this far that's this much. Uh, the last part for me of act two is um the actual cre- uh, not creation but the passing of the law i guess i mean they basically jar jar gives power to the chancellor somehow in a way that they don't really explain they, they do not the vote chancellor... on that. they say someone no. like they explain the senate like proceeding it's like someone has to nominate it um and then like it's literally and they show the scene because they show jar jar putting forth the idea yeah and he's like misa propose whatever and it gives his like little monologue uh where he wants to give emergency powers to the, to the chancellor. chancellor and they just were and they just like the crowd like cheers or like some people cheer but they do not vote on it and then it yeah. literally cuts to him and he just like accepts that power and it's like whoa 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 yeah Hold up. it's the same way we talked about last last week with phantom menace how like as soon as padme is like we i want to have a vote of no confidence in chancellor valorum chancellor valorum's re- expression is like well i've just lost the chancellorship yeah. it's over like wait a minute it like, takes one how person does this to work? do this like, at least, this at least whole... in that they address the vote they're like oh yeah, there, there the is a vote they, like in this one it's just there was no vote because you see it from start to finish and there is no vote <laughs> what i what also kind of throws me off about it is uh i didn't realize this but bail organa is in the scene where palpatine kind of plants the seeds of the idea into jar jar's head and why that's a problem beyond the fact that jar jar should just know better so like the whole scene comes down to like we need an army to go help obi-wan and masamita right yeah. is like well if only we had a, a senator who was like bold enough to do this thing uh the, the emergency powers thing to put forth the legislation yeah and then um which is apparently just a speech yeah yes and then palpatine is like well if only senator padme abadala were here she would do it basically and jar jar is like yeah she would and then he does it but like no she wouldn't she's spent the last decade fighting against this act she would not do that Jar Jar should know she wouldn't do that because he's her aide, and Bale would know she wouldn't do that. It would speak up and be like, "Because they're like best friends." I'm sorry, Chancellor Bale, like or Padme wouldn't do that. Like, all it takes is for like Jar Jar to think a thought (laughs) and realize like Padme wouldn't actually do this. So interesting idea. That's uh, something that just hit me. I've never thought about it this way. Could Palpatine straight up be using? mind like a mind trick on jar jar i mean yes but it's not in the movie like there's I, no, I mean yeah there's no, no evidence there at all but as i can say on boss nass uh like if qui-gon can use it on ba- boss nass and phantom menace I oh it's definitely it. possible yeah, but we see qui-gon try to use it on boss Nass. uh i guarantee you palpatine could do it on jar jar yeah well, and as uh as anakin says mind tricks only work on those with a weak mind and jar jar clearly jar jar's clearly not not doing brain surgery it's about as weak as they come. So. <laughs> All right. So act three is just the big end fight on Genosis. You have 
the trio all captured on Genos. So I'm just going to skip over the whole factory assembly line shenanigans because I cannot stand that scene. You know, In its defense, it's only like five minutes long. It's not a great five yeah. minutes, but it's, it's like not, it, 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 it might be the worst so five long. minutes of the movie to me. You, you don't like when <laughs> three, feels like Trio's like head gets separated it. from his body and he becomes part half of the battle half, droid. I think I think that's droid. the funniest. That's the funniest like mini like story arc like subplot. I think that's the funniest subplot is hard yeah. hard, hard disagree <laughs> and then getting put like on the wrong body and then. R2 putting him back together. It's so and then, weird. The and then, R- it, like he, the fact that they like use that to then inject like random jokes into the slaughter of 200 Jedi. Yeah, like, it's hilarious. Real bad. Oh my gosh. Anyways, I'm just gonna skip over that for now. If you want to mention it later, go for it. I'm not going to. Uh, uh, so you have the arena scene with the three of them being like executed through combat of these giant monsters, which is pretty cool in my opinion. Once they break out, Mace and some Jedi uh, get there to help save them, and then the droids come in, and it's this huge droid versus Jedi fight. And then at the last minute, the Jedi are all surrounded, and Yoda comes in with the clones, and that sets off this huge series of this entire battle on the planet of Geonosis, uh, which culminates in the fight between Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Dooku, and then eventually Yoda coming into that fight. Um, And then Act 3 ends with Dooku escaping and going to meet up with uh, Chancellor Palpatine or Darth Sidious uh, on Coruscant and taking with him the plans to the Death Star um, and Yoda announcing that the Clone Wars have begun. Um, that's pretty much all you really need in Act 3 other than the fact that like Padme does admit that like, she loves Anakin and they like get married and you know the love story kind of ends there obviously uh, <laughs> but that's kind of Pretty much it. It's pretty uh, succinct in terms of like the there aren't as many events, but they're impactful, important events, and there's a whole lot of action in here. So, um, what do you guys think about Act Three overall? So Act Three, three. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Carson. You go first. Okay. Um, I just want to say R.I.P. Coleman Trevor, the dinosaur Coleman Trevor. Jedi. Poor guy gets absolutely dusted by Jango and his one gun because yeah. he left the other one on. Uh, Camino after his fight with Obi-Wan. It's <laughs> the bottom of the Camino and Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, for real, um, I actually, so when they're going out to the uh, arena fight, they're in like, that is a beautiful scene as they're, you're, they're just like these, this arena chanting yeah. for the death of these people. And you have um, Anakin and Padme uh, as the Across the Stars love. Yeah. And, um, I didn't think about it, but it kind of correlates to Rise of Skywalker in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, um, there's definitely some parallels there, uh, but is like that is a very like I don't know that scene always just like hits me, um, and it's is so funny because it's after a very strange five minutes before that um, with like the yeah. droid factory scene, but then you have this I but I really like that scene, um, the arena the the banter between Anakin and Obi Wan as they're like getting tied up to their death. Um, is pretty funny. Yeah, like, when, he's like, good job. And then we came to we we came to save you. He's like, good job. Well, I, well, I love that he like looks up at his chains. Like, yeah, he, like, stops and is like, can you? Like, I, am I still? Yep, I'm still in chains. Good job. Good, good job saving yeah. me. Uh, and then so the, what about Padme? Oh, she seems to be on top of top things. things. She's, like yeah. climbing the pole. Um, but that whole scene. Um, I actually I enjoy the whole monster part. Um. The whole arena again. I actually like legitimately enjoy the arena scene. It's it's fun to like 
because this is the first time we've actually seen more than two Jedi, I think, with their lightsabers ignited at the same time. Um, so to see them all like running, like the shot of them all running into battle, like it's Pretty so good. cool. Yeah. Um, and then also the shot of when um, when Dooku, I think he says something to Mace Windu, and then Mace Windu, I think it is iconic. I don't think so. Or about yeah, like this, their, this party's uh, over. This party's like, over. Yeah. 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 This party's over. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, it might be I don't think so as well in there too. Well, I think yeah I think because because he says because I think Dooku if I remember correctly says something about like how like oh you guys don't stand a chance and then he's like oh and then he like says something and then all the lightsabers start igniting in the stands uh, in the arena which that shot is so sick it's good yeah uh, and then so like you have the fight that ensues and I think it, it's fun stuff um, for the most part and I for the most part really do enjoy uh, this section of the movie the main issue though um, that was glaring to me when watching it is not that like the action's bad, not that no eventful things happen. It's that you straight up for that whole chunk of the movie, you have just action, no dialogue, no <laughs> plot development. Uh, you no, do get some plot development because very you little coming in, yeah. you get them getting captured, which I like that stuff. That stuff's cool. Yeah. But it's like you, I feel like that's, that was just like a flaw in terms of you can't go that long without your main characters uh saying something yeah and, and no one says anything it's just action i think the only people like the only lines that i can really recall are like r2 and 3po being like die jedi die Ugh. oh no what am i saying like like yeah. why is that like so much of the dialogue there um, the, yeah the only other dialogue i can think of is mason dooku and then when uh padme and anakin just had a little witty banter between what uh, aggressive negotiations. Yeah, it's like no, yeah. I call this aggressive negotiations. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. and then the, they smile at each other at each other, and then he kisses her on the cheek and all that stuff. Oh, <laughs> fight though, like I like the action's cool, and I like seeing all the different characters, like Kit Fisto. Uh, yeah, like they all have like the light. I like the um like the choreography of the lightsaber fighting because it's not over the top. Um, it gets, but it's still cool, and they're just like slashing these droids. Um, now I will say, Django deserved better. Um, yeah, Amen, he did. I mean, so did so, so, so Maul. Yeah. Um, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, man, Django dies so abruptly. Um, and and honestly, I don't blame Boba for being sour at the Jedi Order because <laughs> to get that armor, he just had to like pull his dad's head out of that helmet and like. Peel no, he didn't. Yeah, the head separates. Yeah, you 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 actually uh, see a shadow uh, separate away from it. You see uh, shadows. Pretty wild, but yeah, well, you see. That's a very moment. He didn't have to take the rest of the armor off his dead uh, dad's body. Yeah, headless, headless body. Yeah, yeah, yeah his dad's headless body. Which, I mean, at least the wound was probably cauterized, but should be hopefully. <laughs> um, Gosh. Then, like, I'll kind of give my input as like for the last like the fight too obviously i'm not gonna spend too much time on that um like that is kind of take it or leave it it's like underwhelming not that great um there's some good stuff with yoda but any like whenever uh dooku is talking it's just like eh, this isn't very good um now i will say that the i love the scene when uh padme falls out of the gunship and um Obi-Wan and like Anakin's crying all about everything um and then Obi-Wan's like come to your senses what would Padme do if she was in your position yeah she would 
and then Anakin is like she would do her duty, and then like they go on about it. I, I, Obi Wan's really lines there are really good, but I literally wrote down like Anakin is insane. I think it's what I wrote down. Yeah, Anakin is insane because his reaction to her falling is like like she just was one of twenty people that survived this arena scene, and they're all Jedi except for her. But she falls and he loses. It's, it's like the the Joker. Like everyone loses their mind. Like he yeah. like literally just loses his mind because she fell out of a on a sand with yeah. with a clone trooper. Yeah, like she's not even alone. They both have guns. They're gonna be like, fine. I was like, they're it, away from the battle. Which this is gonna get into a issue I have with his delivery. Hayden Christensen's delivery of his lines, I think, is probably the worst part of his acting in this movie. And that's as much on George Lucas as it is on him to direct his delivery. But that's kind of where, like, that his acting in that scene is like way like level ten. I'm like, why are you screaming? Like, just relax. She's she's fine. She's uninjured. She's with the clone trooper. They both have guns. Like, why are you freaking out? But like, Obi Wan's lines and Obi Wan's like way, way to calm him down is like very uh, like father son type thing, and, and it's well written and it's well delivered. Ewan McGregor obviously is amazing, so that works out for me. But uh, yeah, those lines at times I'm like. So many of Anakin's lines are just like way up here at level 10. And I'm like, why are you screaming at me? Yeah. The uh it, it it is really weird how much he he just completely looks over the fact that over 199 or 200 some odd Jedi just got Died. eviscerated. And he does he doesn't even blink twice at that. Uh, granted, you know, he didn't really have attachment to them, and the only thing he does have attachment to hey, is Padme uh, it just, now. It just, just lightened his load in the next movie. Yeah. <laughs> easier on him. Right? Um, I think that other than... See, I think my my issues with this act, this is why I like Act 1 better than Act 3. Um, I like the stuff with the monsters, the Reek, the Nexu, the Acklay. Um, Real quick, if you had to fight one of them, which one would you fight? I would take the Reek, I think, because it's like a bull, basically. I'd probably still die, but the Acklay and the Nexu seem like really gruesome deaths. I, I honestly think I'd take the Nexu. Nice. Yeah, if if I if I can get a hold of one of those little spear things that yeah. Obi-Wan's able to get... Uh, it does die of, pretty easily. Yeah. The Nexu does. It, it, it just gets ran over the Nexu by, is the, by cat the Reek. Thing. The, the Nexu is the cat thing, in case you're wondering. The Reek is like the bull, and the, and the Acklay is like the... Uh, the um, giant praying mantis, pray mantis thing. thing yeah uh carson which, which one would you take one well, i i agree i definitely go with the reek the reek yeah yeah the accolade is terrifying because i feel like you just get impaled with the claw the next suit i don't want to get scratched or eaten yeah like it like seems those, like it's gonna so i'll i'll take kill you slow i'll take yeah i'll take my odds rolling out of the way of the bull <laughs> so i like that stuff um, I like some of the stuff, like you mentioned, the um, when Mace gets there and some of those moments. Uh, but the choreography, I actually do have a problem with. Um, so the it, the reason why is because it's almost too basic. Uh, there are so many times where you're the camera is front and center on some random extra, and the extra is just like holding a lightsaber yeah. in front of them and just moving it from left to right, yeah. like like they're on a green screen set. Because they, they are. are, there are uh, there are definitely times where it's uh, where it's not good. Um, the things I was referring was most to like like uh, Mace Windu running away and like yeah. swing, like looking back, swinging his lightsaber backwards, like no look, deflecting the shot to kill a droid. Oh yeah, everything everything but Mace with all the no name characters, it is pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything that Mace 
Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme do, action-wise, in that scene are, are all uh, good, if not great sometimes. Um, but they, and it isn't even just like, oh, this is random person in the background. What happened on this watch uh, yesterday was there's several moments where those extras are like in the front of the screen. You don't see any named character. You just see a bunch of extras. So then I started to watch for them and look for them in the background because I had just been watching how bad they were. So I, so they, they brought it to my attention by putting them into the front of the screen. So then I was looking for them. And I wrote down that they're nonplussed, which just means they're unfazed. Like they're just like, oh, we're fighting to our death, but we don't even seem to have any like urgency to our actions. Like the action is very like stagnant other than Mace, Obi-Wan, Padme, and Anakin. Everyone else is just like standing there. Like they're not in any kind of a hurry. You can throw uh, Kisto and Kiatamundi in there. <laughs> for good or bad? For for like good enough. I, well, you, I, don't, you, I don't remember anything Kiatamundi does in that entire He movie. just runs across the couple. Yeah. I feel like the, the only ones that are actually like bad uh, are the people who you're like, even us as like avid Star Wars fans who don't are know who they are. Dropping all these like crazy names uh who know yeah we've like, named like 15 we don't know the they have like they're not good in that scene yeah i mean county money's fine he has a couple of moments like i don't think he has the smile when he pushes the droid away yeah, like, too, yeah. yeah but like there's not a whole lot there so like I'm yeah, yeah. Really, like like those guys get as much screen time as some of the random extras oh yeah like the, the I, guy from NSYNC that tosses them their lightsabers is like has as much screen time yeah. as kit fisto does so like that's the thing is that those choices where i'm like you're bringing it to my attention and they have no urgency in their action. Like the, the fight scene between Maul and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon is so urgent. It has this energy to it. Whereas in this scene, there's none of that up until the point where all of a sudden they're all dying all of a sudden. Like when they're backing up and being cornered into that circle, they're like all of a sudden just dying left and right. And it's like there was a director, George Lucas or whoever was on the set at that moment and is directing like 100, 200 people. And it's just telling the whole crowd, okay, now you're going to do this. Okay, now you're start, now start falling, start falling. You're dying, you're dying. Like, so like there was no like clear plan other than like, we're going to have you do some random lightsaber stuff and then you're going to start dying in this one moment and we'll, and we'll make it look good. And they just made it look okay. Yeah. I don't know. It, which, that's, it might be seen as a nitpick, but like it, when they, when they show it in the front of the screen like that, I can't help but notice it. You, you saying them being unfazed is, is is i i think is a really good takeaway from that because they the amount of jedi that goes 212 and oh my gosh yeah so they they send 212 jedi obviously we're going to see some that no one on earth is going to know about but the the fact that we get so many that have zero emotion other than they're just moving a lightsaber back and forth and all of their Conrads are dying to the point where there's only 13 of them left, 13 yeah. plus Padme, so 14 total. <laughs> and I mean, if you just went in with 200 other people and you're one of the last 13, you'd have a bit more emotion. Granted, you know, the Jedi way is, you know, don't no have emotion. attachment, no, <laughs> don't have emotion. But you, I would think at least at some point you'd be a little freaked out. Yeah. So that scene ends, and uh, they when they leave the arena, when, when Yoda shows up and the clones are there, I'm like, okay, here we are. We're good again. One small thing that takes it away from me is there's never in either one of the two movies that have clones, is there an actual person in a clone trooper outfit? Like, that's a simple thing. To, like, all CGI. They're just all 100% CGI, which you, you notice it. Uh, it's not terrible, but you notice it. 
But other than that, it's good stuff there. It's shot well, um, and it's interesting. And when they leave, and you just see like different moments of the battles, Anakin tells the um, gunner where to fire at the the fuel cells, fuel cells, on the, and on ships. that stuff's really cool and interesting. You see how they're like Anakin knows what he's talking about with machines, like right, and that all that stuff I think is is really good. And then it falls apart again for me with the Dooku Anakin Obi Wan fight. Um, it's really quick and silly, and especially when you compare it to either of the fights from the other two movies, the um, Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith, the big end fight scenes are like just blow it out of the water. Like, I think it's probably my least favorite main fight scene in any Star Wars movie. Um, and even when you include Yoda, and it doesn't help it any, I don't like my Yoda to flip. Um, I don't. I don't even know that I like Yoda to have a lightsaber. Like, the- I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. But just like how people got mad about Luke in the Last Jedi. I'm that way with Yoda, I guess. Uh, I like him to be the wise and master that's kind of like above the action and just to be like the sage, not to be the warrior. And he's he like tr- trades in that role for the warrior role for like five minutes here. And I don't like it. <laughs> One of the things that irritates me about that is that Yoda is seen like floating around in a hover round chair. Yeah, he's, uh, wheel- he's literally in like the Star Wars version of a wheelchair he's a because he moves so slow. Yeah. So he can talk to Mason Obi-Wan in, in act one. And now he's, he's capable of this high flying acrobatics. Uh, now I, I, I do think in the opening of that battle between the two of them, that fight, when they're both using the force, when Dooku and, and Yoda are both going back and forth is really good. And on top of that, the the the, the scene where, or the line that uh, Dooku delivers where he says, clearly we're both equally matched in the powers of the yeah. force. Yeah. It must be tested by our skills with the lightsaber. Like that, granted that gives us one of the most over the top fights in Star Wars, and not in a good way either <laughs> but it, it is an amazing scene uh or, or an amazing line i should say yeah it's a good line i that's so this is actually i feel like is a rare occurrence i don't like the line oh really really yeah it like does it just for i don't know if it's the delivery um mm. because of like his age or whatever but Maybe. it's like the line itself feel does feel over the top to me um um, it probably like, is it is but like Dooku has a lot of over-the-top lines yeah and so amidst the other ones especially in the arena he's given tons of over-the-top lines yeah uh so that was like oh this is actually kind of normal now no the part of that scene that I do like though is like Yoda first shooting the lightning back at him is so sick and then but even at the end of that when he just like clamps it into his hand yeah uh, and just dissipate. like makes it like disappear is super uh is pretty neat yeah, the uh, now one one scene that it really shows uh, that Anakin still has some growing up to do is when Obi Wan Obi Wan's convinced Anakin to stay with him to not jump out of the gunship the the uh-huh. LAAT um, and to go with him to fight Dooku. So he's he's convinced him of that. Anakin's like, "You're right, uh, Pat, Padme would go fight Dooku with you. That that's what I should do." And then they they get there. <laughs> the gunship blows up but like right after, yeah, yeah right after they step off so man right in the nick of time <laughs> and they, they get there and the, what is super irritating to me is when anakin and obi-wan walk in 
and Obi-Wan goes, we'll take him together. And then Anakin just goes, no, I'm taking him now. And he even literally, literally like, interrupts him. Yeah. Obi-Wan has like, yeah, he interrupts him because Obi-Wan has another line after that where he says, I'll do, he's like, he basically is like giving instructions. Like, yeah. I'll do this, you do this, like game planning. And Anakin's like, no, screw that. Nope. And then just gets lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. It's rough because then both of them get like pretty much just slacked. Yeah. Uh, whereas they might have had a chance together. And then there's a, the, the, now I will give it credit. The moment it's like a second and a half, but the se- like the two seconds where Anakin has two lightsabers, that's pretty cool. And then like Dooku like uh, disarms him from one of the lightsabers pretty quickly. It's like maybe for real, maybe two seconds. Yeah. Uh, so when when it, when the the lights do go out in that scene, and it, you just it's basically just. Uh, their faces um, uh, their faces a red lightsaber a blue lightsaber and a green lightsaber is i, I think is visually really cool it's really cool the only reason i have a problem with this because i know they did it because they wanted to show more of his face because yeah. they couldn't show his faces that much in the because they had to use a stunt double yeah his fighting it's a really cool idea though and a cool way to hide that simultaneously while this scene is going on there's also a massive battle happening that uh that doesn't get touched on in the movie and but you do get some really good visual scenes, even though they're 100% all CGI. Yeah. But the, they look pretty solid. Though. Yeah, the, the the scenes of the uh, especially when the after one of the the capital ships uh, crashes to the to the planet and there's a bunch the of round. sand. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's there's one of there's just a bunch of sand flying everywhere. It looks like a dust storm. Yeah. And you see the clones marching forward in the sand. You that's see the cool droids shot. marching forward. It, that, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um I even have a my my computer mat at home is oh, nice. is, is is actually that scene. Oh, and I nice. and I think that's super cool. Yeah that's really cool. Well are we good with Act Three? Yeah, yeah. I think so. That's the movie. That's, yeah. that's the you've, you've watched it, right? And they show yeah. you the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. Death Star plans. Hint, hint. Very, very small little subplot there. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna take a break here. When we come back, we're gonna go over our overall thoughts on the movie, uh, some big picture stuff, positives, negatives, and give it a score. Um, and then we'll be done. So we'll see you on in a little bit here. Welcome back. And now we're just going to give our overall thoughts here. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start this off. And I want to get the negative out of the way. Um, and hopefully I won't stay here too long because it, it could happen. Um, so overall negatives, the dialogue. And I'm going to kind of tie this into the love story. The dialogue and the love story are probably my least favorite parts of the movie and the biggest drags and weights that keeps this movie from being higher on my list than what it is right now. Um, and what it, it's kind of a weird confluence of things. So the, the writing is at times good, at times bad. The acting is at times good, at times bad. The directing at times is good, at times is bad. And the delivery, especially from Hayden, is at times good and at times bad. And I actually wrote out a couple of scenes because I think they really uh, exemplify what I mean here. So the scene of Padme packing up uh she's you know anakin is going to take her away to hide and she says i don't like the, the the idea of hiding he says don't worry now that the council has ordered an investigation it won't take master obi-wan long to find this bounty hunter she replies i haven't worked for a year to defeat the military creation act to not be here when fate is decided 
He responds, sometimes we must let go of our pride and do what is requested of us. Then she says, Anakin, you've grown up. To this point, the tone is consistent. Their, um, their like tone in terms of like how they're, how they're delivering their lines is consistent and they match. It's in sync. Now, from here, it starts to go a little bit off the rails. And then he says, Master Obi-Wan manages not to see it. And he pauses for a long time there. Answer, well-delivered line still matches. He says, he says, don't get me wrong. Obi-Wan is a great mentor. As wise as Master Yoda and as powerful as Master Windu. Like, first of all, not true. But again, whatever. His line's delivery is fine. That line's kind of weird. Because it's like, it's like, oh, really? You think he's as wise as the wisest Jedi in the, whatever. So he says, I'm truly thankful to be his apprentice. The next line. In some ways, a lot of ways, I'm really ahead of him. And he's like whiplash from he is the greatest teacher I could possibly have, but I'm also better than him. Like it's so it's it's really bad writing. You could not deliver that in a way that is like appropriate or that works really well. The the only way that works is when you have to mentally put it in the context of this boy's been living with yeah, you have to like do gymnastics. Yeah. You 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 have to put your mind in a context of like, oh, okay, well that would work, but you have to make it work. At least in this point, his delivery is still pretty much on point. He says, I'm really ahead of him. He says, I'm not, I'm ready for the trials. He feels that I'm too unpredictable. He won't let me move on. And Padme like appropriately responds. That must be frustrating. This is where Hayden's tone just like jumps. He says, it's worse. He like yells it. It's worse. He's overly critical. He never listens. He, he doesn't understand. It's not fair. And he's just yelling at this point. And it's just the two of them in a room where he's just screaming about how like, unfair it is that Padme is, or that Obi-Wan, whatever, <laughs> is like critical of him. And it jumps out and it seems so unnatural and weird. And then on top of it, to make it seem even more unnatural, Padme's tone never changes. She says, all mentors have a way of seeing more of our faults than we'd like. It's the only way we grow. And it's just her being like patient and calm with him, which makes sense if he wasn't at level 10. If he was at like seven, like he was just getting agitated. And she's like, it's okay, calm down. This is, you know, he just, you know, this is how mentors work and it's helping, he's trying to help you grow. But it's like when Anakin is just screaming and it's not fair and like, eh, you're like, what in the world's happening right now? And that's kind of how it goes. Now the scene from there goes on to like a really creepy place where she's like, don't look at me like that. And he's like, sure. He, he says, sorry, my lady, as he like continues to stare at her creepily, like, oh my God. But that is just like a case in point. It happens two more, at least two more times. The scene that they told me talked about the fireplace scene, similar thing where Anakin is like pouring his heart out to her and his tone is all over the place. And she does eventually match him in that scene. The, the, the writing in that scene is not very good, but the delivery is actually not that bad. Um, where it gets to be very like openly and obviously mismatched is where he tells her that he killed the, the Tuscan Raiders. I actually don't think it's horribly acted. I think it's not very well written, especially because the subtext is that Anakin is disappointed in himself. That Anakin is mad at himself. But he says things like i like they're like animals and i slaughtered them like animals i hate them 
But what really George should have written was like, I hate myself or I'm mad at myself. I'm, just, I'm disappointed in myself. Not like I hate the Tuscan Raiders. Because he does, I mean, I guess he does hate them for killing his mom. But like, there's a lot of subtext there that should be outlined. But what really makes the scene is the opening of the scene is really well written. Uh, he's obviously in mourning. He's fixing something random in his homestead. And he says, his like, Padme walks in and says, hey, I brought you some food. Are you hungry? He says, the shifter broke. Life seems so much simpler when you're fixing things. I'm good at fixing things. Always was. But I couldn't. And his voice catches there. And he stops mid-sentence, which is really good acting and well-written and all that stuff. Then he says, why did she have to die? Why couldn't I save her? I know I could have. And at this point, it's like all like keeping it together. We're, we're, you know, this is all well, well done so far. And then he jumps from there to like when Padme says, there are things sometimes that no one can fix. You're not all powerful. And he just, again, just jumps up to like level 10. Yeah, well, I, I should be. He like throws the cup or something. Yeah, like he's, like, he's yelling like, well, I should be. I'll, I will be someday. I'll be the most powerful Jedi ever. And he's like screaming and yelling. And then Padme's like, Anakin. And he, go, he from then he goes even higher. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. And I'm like, why are you bringing Obi-Wan into this? Yeah, he has nothing to do It with makes it. no sense. It's really random. And then he goes into the, I killed them. I killed them all part, which that part, again, because it comes back down to reality. It's actually well done. Uh, I really like it until the they're like animals and I slaughtered them like animals. That line's kind of clunky and the I hate them is a little bit off on the delivery. It's not that bad though, honestly. It's not as nearly as bad as other stuff in the same scene or in the scene uh, where she's packing up. What kills me about that scene is he is literally, I just killed every Tuscan Raider I could see, men, women, and children. I slaughtered them like animals, is what he says. <laughs> and then Padme's response is, to be angry is to be human. What did you, did you hear, woman? Like, what did you hear him say? Because yeah. what I heard him say was basically genocide. Yeah, and, your response, to it. and your response is, it's okay to be angry. It, the, <laughs> what? <laughs> one thing I do like about this scene, though, is when you mentioned it in the line earlier, where it sets up, him want you know i i could have i could have saved her yes. i know i could have and it sets up his need to be able to save padme yes in, in the next movie. episode three in the next movie and he even says the last line of the scene is i'm a jedi i know i'm better than this and that's the only hint that you have that he's actually like upset at himself more maybe even more than he is at the tuscan raiders uh, which I wish that was more explicit in the scene. That's a really like a powerful thing because the whole like prequel trilogy, part of why he falls is the pressure to be the chosen one. And they don't ever really go there. You just kind of, it's insinuated, I guess, based off of what you know of him as a character, but there's nothing, there's no evidence of that really, other than just like random things you can kind of piece together. Um, those three scenes are just really quick moments there's a lot of stuff like that in the dialogue where there's not a whole lot of connectivity and a whole lot of context like the love story scenes there's so many scenes where i was like wait a minute how did they get here and what happens next and just like disjointed random scenes so like they go from them eating like breakfast right and he like pushes the pear onto her fork and then it cuts to them at night by the fireplace it's a real baller move right and there. it's like that whole, whole yeah. pair to the fork move like what happened that whole day? 
And then after they have their whole argument about like why they can't live a lie over the fireplace scene, it just ends. But like, what happened next? Then I can just like, well, good night. And then went to bed. Like, it's just like, it ends so awkwardly. Yeah. And you're just like, well, like what? Like the scene just randomly ends. It doesn't have a natural conclusion. Yeah. And then their their next scene is is kind of awkward because it switches to a shirtless Anakin having a nightmare about his mom. <laughs> and that's true yeah and then the next scene yeah and then literally he the the, right after that he's he's just got his hands behind his back real awkwardly staring at the sunrise while he knows his mom's getting just yeah he doesn't really yeah no he he knows something really bad's happening to her yeah and like padme just kind of like floats on in after like oh good morning how are you yeah. So, anything else about the love story part? I guess before we we can, we can bury that and leave it behind. Unless you have anything else to add. That's what I would prefer to do. Cool. Yeah, I, I think every Star Wars fan should bury that love story and leave it behind. So, the other love story is uh, Obi Wan and Anakin, and this one I think is actually like many people give this a pass. I think it's not good in this movie. Um, it has moments where it's good. Like you mentioned the scene where Obi-Wan kind of talks him down after Padme falls off the uh, LAAT yeah. gunship. Um, it's up and stuff. down a lot. But it's very up and down. And there are a lot of times where Anakin's freaking out about Obi-Wan and you don't see any context for that really. Like, yes, Obi-Wan is a little critical, but like, so what? Like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a teacher. I, I'm sure at times I've been a little too critical of my kids. They're not screaming and yelling about me you know, to the principal or like, you know, whatever, like that's just, it's just like a massive leap in logic or if there is some real evidence, we should see that. Yeah, <laughs> probably. It, it's, it, it, it's like, he's dealing with a, with someone who you, you would expect Anakin's emotions from a 12, 13 year oldish Padawan. Yeah. You shouldn't see that in a 19 year old, which is what yes. he's supposed to be at right now. And, and uh, Carson, you mentioned the show don't tell thing. It last week with mm-hmm. Phantom Menace. Um, in the first less than 20 minutes of the movie, you get three minimum different uh, times where Obi-Wan or Anakin or both of them are referencing something that happened before the events of this movie that's supposed to, in our eyes, build their relationship, which is lazy storytelling. Like the Nest of Gundarks is one of them. Uh, when Anakin says, I forget they don't like flying, there's some reason why Anakin thinks that he doesn't like flying. We don't know that. We don't yeah. see that. The other one was, I hate it when he does that, when Anakin jumps out of the speeder. Which, ironically, Obi-Wan literally jumps out of a window, window. and essentially does the same thing. Yeah. But, like, so there's all these references and hints towards the relationship. We don't actually get to see that, that development or the relationship grow at all. We just see them in this random state, and they're not together for very much of the movie. So you don't really get a lot of evidence as to their relationship, which is also ties into my some of my issues with Revenge of the Sith is that we don't need a lot of time to see them be brothers or father son or whatever you want to see them as or whatever they see themselves as because we don't get a lot of that in this movie um that's part of my problem with the movie um the other thing I would tie in here is there's some character well the mystery plot I didn't hear, I didn't even mention that really i mentioned it a little bit earlier but there are a bunch of big questions that just never get answered like who is sifo-dyas who actually ordered the sith art the, the sith army the uh clone army like was it sifo-dyas and if so why or how was it dooku or palpatine pretending to be sifo-dyas um 
who actually told Django to kill Padme? They don't answer that question. Who erased Kamino from the archives? Was it was it, was it Sifo-Dyas? Was it Dooku? Was it now? I will I will give it a little bit of a pass for one of those. The uh, it's now it's not like focused on at all, but the whole um, who having them kill Padme that is uh, they do touch on that. It's uh, Newt Gunray. Um, it's literally one line. In, do, we, do we know his new gunnery? Because we know that new new wants her to die. I think I think so because he was uh, because they there's a yeah, line there's an exchange where he's basically like we'll hold up to our end of the deal and we'll kill her basically. There's a line where he where Dooku like he says she him, will die in the arena. Yeah, well, there's there's like a there's an exchange. I'd have to. Is it after? Up. Is it after the arena? Because if it is, or is it during the arena? Because if it is, then like that could just mean like right now we made a deal right now with no, the arena thing. No, it, it's like I, I remember watching it and being like, oh, so because I actually because uh, I thought back to, oh, actually, maybe it was Newt that told Dooku to kill uh, to tell like and then it goes down like the rabbit trail and not palp. Yeah. Um, but so I, I think it might. Be it makes that. way more sense to be palp. But, but, but part but the flaw is still there in the fact that like, like, obviously, you've seen that movie. How many times? 50, how many times? And more than that. like and it's still like goes over your head because it's so it's so like one line like yeah. maybe they answer it um but yeah yeah the whole the whole mystery storyline is kind of like they never answer the mystery uh which is a problem <laughs> um other than that the main characters so you don't actually see dooku on screen until uh over halfway through the movie an hour 17 is when Obi-Wan is like up in the rafters in Genosis looking down on the meeting of the Separatists. It's a two hour and 22 minute movie. So it's an hour 17 and only an hour, an hour and five minutes left in the movie when you meet, when you see Count Dooku on screen for the first time. That's a problem. Like in the Phantom Menace, you get Sidious and Maul all through the first act, all through act two. Like, and he even leaves in the flesh fighting Qui-Gon in act two. Um, and I think that ties into a problem I have with this movie. Uh, that's kind of actually something I never thought about until I watched it this time. So in Phantom Menace, the most important characters to me are Obi-Wan, Anakin, Qui-Gon, Darth Maul, and Palpatine, and Padme. I don't know if I mentioned her the first time or not. So there's six people there. In this movie, Padme basically is only there for the love story and the action at the end, which is worse. Um, Anakin, I guess you could say is better, but he was a child. I'm not even sure he, he would make the top five most important characters in Phantom Menace. He's probably number six. I don't know. Um, Qui-Gon's dead. Maul is dead. And they replace um, Qui-Gon and Maul with really nobody other than, I guess, Dooku or Django and Dooku, but Django is only in a couple of scenes, really. He's, he kills Sam Wessel in, the, in Act 1. He's there for the one dialogue scene in Act 2, and then they fight in Act 2, and then you see him on his Slave 1, and you pretty much don't see him again until he dies and he kills Coleman Trevor. Rip. But like overall, it, it feels like it's a trade down in terms of what they do with the main characters, as well as um, those that died in the first movie, who do they get replaced by? Like Qui-Gon, I actually liked him more than I ever have in this last rewatch of Phantom Menace. And to just have no one really fill that void um 
I guess Yoda kind of sort of tries to, but he is not really a main part of the movie. He has a couple of wise lines, but Qui-Gon is like the main character of Ben and Menace probably. Uh, if, I, if I had to pick one like protagonist. And Padme takes a big step down for me from Ben and Menace to Attack of the Clones. And Dooku is basically not in the movie. He has like three scenes in the movie. Um, like he has, well, I guess it's like four. He has a scene where you see him with separatists the scene where he's talking to captured Obi-Wan, the arena scene, the fight scene, and then the scene with him and Palpatine at the very, very end. So there's like five scenes. Two of them are just like action scenes. I don't know. To me, it's a, it's a big trade down on that. Um, in terms of like the main, what are the main characters doing and what are they given to do by the script? But what are some negatives from you guys' point of view? So my, um, when we're doing this, the round of negatives, correct? Yeah, yeah, let's just do negatives and get that out of the way. Okay. So um, this is both positive and negative, but it ends with a negative. So I'm going to throw it into this category. Um, I feel like the movie has mostly good, if not great ideas, um, but the execution it for most of them is either um, very few of them, very few of those great ideas have good or great ex, uh, execution. Most are around average, um, but a lot are just below par for me. Yeah. Um, and so that, like, that I feel like that's to me is like the biggest issue in the movie, um, barring like major, major, like, plot changes where you reconstruct the entire prequel trilogy <laughs> um, but just like fixing things within the, it, like isolating fixing uh things isolated to this movie um that's one is just slightly different execution um and then i i feel like the movie the main negative um i don't i didn't have like a ton of negatives in my terms of my overall like thoughts on the movie yeah um but I feel like other than that, um, and then overall, I just feel like there are obviously some messy like plot points that aren't tied up, a lot of loose ends. Um, and to me, those personally don't bother me a ton, mm-hmm. uh, but um, they are things that like they definitely rely on you just like forgetting about. Yeah. So it's just and they and they I feel like they kind of just like show you the next thing, um, maybe not hoping that you won't remember those other things but they just, again, left those uh, T's uncrossed and those I's undotted. Um, So um, that's definitely like a drawback of the movie. But those are, um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with like the dialogue. Um, Like I agree with a lot of that. Um, Some of it, some of it is like, it's funny to me. Um, Like the, like where, when Padme is legitimately like absolutely poning Anakin, shutting him down, like those scenes are legit. Like I used to like looking back, I'd be like, oh yeah, all those like cringy scenes, Uh, which some are, um, but some of them are legitimately like she is just roasting him. Like when uh, I want to point out this, like, because it always makes me laugh so hard is when um, they get to Naboo and they're like, oh, good thing you have your uh, Jedi <laughs> with you. She goes, oh, Anakin, he's not a Jedi. He's just a Padawan learner. 
she, I love it. And it's so she, like awkward. absolutely dunks on him. Like, <laughs> she puts him on a poster, and it's so. And it's not the first he, time she's done it yet. He's so yeah. mad too. They he's they even so they bad. even pan over to the queen in in that scene, and she doesn't know what to do because it's so <laughs> like, awkward. I legitimately love that scene. <laughs> Uh, and, and there's like three to five scenes like that where it's like like that's legitimately funny dialogue yeah um, so like um but yeah the dialogue overall is obviously lacking in some areas um and then i guess a negative that i'll go ahead and point out while we're here um is that like in terms of the whole movie as a whole again this is something that david and i off podcast have talked about a ton but like and i even mentioned it i think in phantom menace and I'll mention in every prequel episode that we do, um, the the I, the glaring flaw with anything related to Anakin is that he was not old enough or like at the right place. So basically, I think that this movie, the age that Anakin's at in this movie, um, is basically where they should have started with Anakin. Maybe even maybe at like the fifteen year yeah. old age. Yeah, start 15, with that. 16. Yeah, start, which is how he acts in this movie. So basically take how he acts in this movie. Make, <laughs> make him a 16-year-old. <laughs> yeah, make him, uh, make this episode one, basically, because a lot of Phantom Menace is kind of unnecessary. Um, develop that relationship with Anakin and Obi-Wan that they don't really do, show, don't tell. Um, yeah. And then you have all of a sudden, um, you and just have this be like a Clone Wars movie. I think, yeah. I think if you have the Clone Wars end um, with episode one, actually, so basically just like combine episodes one and two into the first movie of the trilogy. Uh, then for the second episode, make it like a Clone Wars movie. Then you establish that brotherly uh, or fatherly relationship. However you view it, they call it both in the um, trilogy nice. itself. Yeah. Um, and then and then you have more time in Revenge of the Sith. And I don't want to tip my hat uh, or tip my hand to reveal too much of what I wish they would have done there. Uh, but um but I think if you do that, you have more time in this movie. Um, yeah. but overall, those are my general negative uh, views on the movie. Yeah, I used to be with you, and I still mostly am, about the points there about what you would change. I actually think I want to keep Phantom Menace, but just make Anakin like 15 or 16. Like, you don't have to change anything hardly. I mean, like, I think that we, we discussed last week what I would do in terms of like, Changing the movie to make it better, Jar Jar is a big issue. But I think the actual story idea, yeah, I have no problem yeah, I, with. It sets up the galaxy really well, right? And I think because the plots are so heavily related, I, I don't see. I don't think it would be too hard to like make tie them into one movie. Honestly, maybe, maybe I don't know. There's a lot could, to tie into one movie, though. Yeah, it def- definitely is. But like, you it's do like the thing where it's like if you just make her a senator instead of the queen, make make her yeah. like the ruler and, and the representative. Like you could yeah. like tie those. Easy. Or maybe, or maybe do like do like all of Phantom Menace and half of Attack of the Clones, yeah. right? You know, like yeah, end it with you know like the threat of the Clone Wars, and then the Clone Wars begins in Episode Two, and then yeah. it's you know it, it ends by the beginning of Episode Three, or whatever, yeah, which, which is what happens basically. In the yeah, movie. like if the Clone say the say Episode Two opens with the the Clone Wars have begun Yoda line that he gives, yeah, that be the opening of episode two then get for two whole acts or for the middle act even yeah get that isolated, whole thing like war star wars war movie yeah and, um wrap the movie up in act three of this movie i think you have a totally different um uh trilogy outcome yeah yeah uh my so as far as negatives uh you guys hit the majority of mine um 
David, I, I, when you hit on the mystery, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions that we have coming out of this movie, specifically in Act Two, yeah. um, where there is a lot that is not ever touched upon. It's it takes years later in a cartoon show, which or I love, but it, it barely gets touched upon. Yeah. And uh, and and right now we still don't have a ton of answers on a lot of these things. No, Cyberdeus. The, the book Master and Apprentice, which came out a year or two ago, yeah, that has like a lot, so some of the answers that we haven't had since 2002. Yeah, <laughs> so that, it's pretty crazy. And and I, and I just want to point out that one's like that. That's a hard book to get through. I've heard it's not. Yeah, good. it's I I, I, read I haven't it. read it. It's yet, uh, it's a little tough to get through. Yeah. Um. So finding that like being able to stay honed in to get that information is kind of hard. Um, but back, back to the, back to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many unanswered questions that, uh, I, I really wish we're able to be delved into a little bit more. Um, mention it and forget it is very heavily, heavily done. Now, granted, when I first watched this movie, when I was six years old in 2002, you know, that, that was very easy because then we immediately went to what the scene that I would uh, like when, when I think of star Wars, I think of Yoda and the clones coming down in the, in, yeah. in the L L A A T S the lats. Um, yeah. And, and now as a, an adult, I think of it like, yeah, this would be even cooler if there was ACDC or cleared <laughs> clear water revival playing right now. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Down down. I, I, I think those scenes are, are just so good to me in my head. Um, the, the one thing that really irritates me is the, uh, like you said, the up and down relationship of Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, I, I kind of get irritated at the way, that, and, and, and I know I know that this is a little one-sided for, for this argument of me uh, compared to David and, uh, and Carson, but I think Obi-Wan does have a lot to blame and why Anakin responds the way he does. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's totally fair. Yeah, I, I think I think he's very condescending to Anakin a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, because in a Obi-Wan poning Anakin scene, uh, when right when they first meet Pad- Padme uh, to to talk to her about, okay, we're gonna we're gonna be guarding you and everything, Anakin says, We're gonna figure out who's trying to kill you. And Obi-Wan goes, you forget your place, young Padawan. Yeah. And like he uses he uses a term like my young Padawan, which you would think is being a term of endearment in kind of a condescending way, way multiple times it. throughout the movie. They, yeah. And and then even you see it when uh in the very end of the movie, uh, when Anakin calls out to the to the gunners on on the on the lat to shoot the fuel cells. He goes, very good, my young Padawan. And then Anakin just kind of turns and glares at him. <laughs> and it, it's it's that it's it's like that fate that that phrase yeah. stings him every every time he says it. It's funny, I kind of always took it as like that's just how the Jedi treated their apprentices. Um, and Anakin just like because he was because he, he wasn't raised in it, doesn't really understand yeah. all of that. And so he like pushes back against it. And Obi-Wan's like, why are you pushing me? This is just how we've always done it. Yeah. But whether Obi-Wan's right or wrong, it's just like the way things have always been. And Anakin's unfamiliar with that. But I guess a different way of looking at it, which is fair. I, I also feel like Anakin almost feels like he's 
kind kind of a burden to Obi Wan. That's fair. Um, because because of the fact that you know Qui Gon was going to be the one who yeah. was going to kind of train him, and I, I feel like he held Qui Gon in this father father vision a lot stronger than he ever did Obi Wan. Yeah. And and and, and he, I think I think there's some anger there because in his mind. He thinks Obi-Wan thinks I'm a burden. He doesn't want to do this. He never wanted to. He he wanted to leave me back on Tatooine. Yeah. And now he's saddled with this burden. And I don't think Obi-Wan thinks that at all. I I I, I don't I don't think that's the case, but I think mentally he's he's put that in his head. Yeah. Side note, uh, one other thing that I really hate about this movie is <laughs> Obi-Wan's hair. Obi-Wan's hair in this movie is by far the worst of uh, all the movies. The and, I, and I include Alec Guinness's old balding <laughs> man hair. Uh, oh, that's great. I, in, in my head canon, I think that the reason he cuts his hair in episode three is because Anakin grows his out. And he's like, man, he's stealing my look. It's like Ryan and, and Michael in the office with the goatees. Yes, exactly. And, and Dwight, I guess, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, for positives, we've kind of already hit on a lot of them naturally. The three big ones are overall, not every time, but overall, the visuals, the action, and the sound design are all well done in this movie. Um, overall, not every time, but we've talked about some specific examples of that. Uh, other than that, Elon McGregor as Obi-Wan is always amazing. Um, super happy to get more of him coming up soon, hopefully. Uh, but he's very good overall. Um, the Django and Obi-Wan di- dynamic, those two interactions or three interactions, I guess, the, t- the actual conversation and the fight and the space uh, ship battle. I like all of those. And Anakin, pretty much everything with Anakin on Tatooine, I like. Um, there's a couple of moments in the scene where he tells Padme that he killed uh, all the Tusken Raiders. That's a little bit too much. Like, other than that, Everything that is on Tatooine with Anakin, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good. It's definitely my favorite Anakin stuff in the movie, I think. Um, and then everything, like the arena stuff with Genosis, I also like a lot. Um, but those are my overall positives. Not as many like big, deep explanations because it's just like, this is really good. I like it. <laughs> but, it, it it's a lot easier to go hard on the negatives than it is the positives, this, I, I feel in, like, in, in this movie. In this movie especially, I think, but it's not really fair, but it is, it is, it is what it is. So, Carson, what, what about your positives? So, uh, before I give those, because I'm the absolute worst, I read over one of my negative notes. <laughs> so, I do want to drop that. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So, my last negative note was um, it something that's funny about this movie is that, like, it seems like Anakin just is randomly always in the wrong stage of grief so like and so hear me out on this so it seems like um so like there's like the whole thing like where there's the five stages of grief and it's like denial, anger bargaining depression acceptance and like that's the order I feel like for this movie like a lot of time because Anakin has like a lot of like I don't know if it's childhood trauma or whatever but probably I mean sure yeah um, so like that was something that was just kind of funny to me. like when there's scenes where it's just like why did they have him do it this way where it's like why is he so over the top here why does he not really get here so it seems like they just kind of like rolled the die and was uh, like rolled the dice and was like all right which, which stage scene, are you gonna, gonna be, be accepting. Yeah. in this scene you're gonna be bargaining in this scene uh you're gonna be in 
uh, you're just going to be angry. It's uh, like, I thought that was kind of funny. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like uh, the scene, like the whole movie sets up the fact that he like doesn't listen to Obi-Wan. And then the one time where he like decides he cannot break Obi-Wan's orders is a scene where like Obi-Wan's in danger. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and like, does he want Obi-Wan to die? I <laughs> don't know. So uh, that's just a little bit. Sorry. I yeah. Oh, no, you're good. Um, but so for my over like overall positive opinions, I feel like, again, this movie has a lot of great ideas. Um, and I've kind of hinted at what like I've kind of already said, like going along the way, which ones I like and which ones could do some work. But for the most part, there's a, like a lot of good ideas. Um, and so in this movie, um, kind of comparing it um, to the Phantom Menace, um it this movie does a lot more to capture my like attention and keep me engaged um i think is the best terminology for that uh so i feel like this movie for me personally does a good job showing me new things uh in the star wars universe that have big picture implications uh to keep me invested um through like while watching the movie because i know oh here's down the line where this kind of comes back into play um or um or like relates ties back whatever um, so that's one thing. And then one other thing, I forgot to uh, mention it when we were doing act one, but I'm actually kind of glad I didn't because it does fit uh, the overall um, kind of idea of the Jedi in the prequels um, mm. and, and especially leading into Revenge of the Sith and what happens in that movie. Um, but there's a line that, that I've never caught before that Yoda gives when they're in the uh, Jedi temple and he's, and it's kind of, the context is they're having this discussion about Jedi thinking they're wiser than they actually are. And they're talking about that. And Yoda says, uh, um, like, this is, I, I think this is the quote he gives. I, this isn't like word for word, but I, like, I was, I was like typing this as I watched the movie, I was like writing, jotting this down so I could uh, quote it. But it was, he basically says a common problem among more and more Jedi, uh, like the problem being referring to like them thinking they're wiser than they actually are. Um, um, a common problem among more and more Jedi, even the older ones. Yeah. And then a couple scenes later, uh, you get to the library and you have the um, old like archive librarian Jedi. What's her, John? You probably know her name. Jacosta New. Jacosta, yeah, yeah, Jacosta New. I yeah. Um, uh, she is like, oh, it's not in the archives. It if it's not it in the archives, exist. it doesn't exist. And then uh, so like that's a perfect example of what Yoda was talking about. And then the very next scene, you have a young Jedi being like, well like there's there's a possible explanation for that you're not maybe you're not as wise as what you think in your old age um and and so going into revenge of the sith it's an interesting like critique of the jedi order being like you're not as wise as you think you're not handling anakin very like well the way you've kind of handled the chosen one thing is leads down a dark path as we know um so i i thought that was like like that was something that, that was so subtle um, that I had never really thought about that I really liked um, on this rewatch. So I was that was like the gold nugget that I got from this rewatch. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, that um, and then just like a lot of like cool things in this movie that like are have a big impact on Star Wars. I feel like this movie has a lot of big ticket things that make Star Wars Star Wars, at least in this prequel era, um, like the clones, like Camino, um, Jedi fighting, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Cool. 
So for, for my big positive, um, I, I personally think that uh, the movie does a really good job of utilizing really minor characters. Um, so like right at the very beginning, you have Cap- Captain Typho, who has maybe 15 seconds worth of lines. Yeah. But that, that line is right when the ship blows up, and Padme runs over to to Corday, who is her uh, her body double. Equally, yeah, yeah. And and Corday, you know, says, "I failed you, my lady," and then she dies. Technically speaking, she fulfilled, fulfilled her job perfectly. Yeah. But uh, but uh, th- then Captain Typho goes up over to her and like picks her up off the ground, like, and and you can tell that Padme is really shaken by this event, and he says. She's done her job. Now it's your time to do yours. Yeah. And like pulls her back to center. Yeah. And he does a really good job of that. Or, you know, Shmi in, in the very small amount of time that she's she's in there. She she builds that very small emotional connection that uh, that her and Anakin have left. And then that, you know, that from that exact moment, then you really start to see the dark side take, like have its first you know foothold in anakin's soul yeah um i think that's done really well uh in throughout the movie uh you know there's even a deleted scene where anakin has dinner with uh padme's family and in in, in that scene like padme's sister kind of teases her about anakin and it helps kind of like build that relationship a little bit better Mm -hmm. granted that's a deleted scene so it's not canon but you know, they, they yeah. filmed it and they did it really good. So, yeah. Um, another thing that I, I think is amazing about this movie, and I personally think it does it better than any of the other prequels, is setting up for the original tri- trilogy. Um, the amount of implications that they, they take from that one line that Leia says, you know, you served my father in the Clone Wars, you know, years ago. Yeah. And this, we, we actually see what the Clone Wars are in this movie yeah uh it opens that up you know when when the when the clones come in or when you first see the clones on camino you immediately think whoa that that that's like a different type of stormtrooper armor because it yeah you see it as what gets built upon um even as even as small as the the armor to uh all i can't remember where i was going with that but well the armor is very similar yeah and, and 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 you see you see how the uh, how everything starts building towards the the original trilogy at this point. You really don't see it that much in in Phantom in Phantom Menace, but in in Attack of the Clones, it really starts to build upon it. You know, you see some, how some of the ships are similar designed. Too. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I, I think the biggest part is, like I said earlier, with Anakin um, and his mom is you see this is this is the key pivotal moment right here that starts his descent into the dark side and like you can trace all the points of darth vader back to that moment and i i think that this movie does that better than any other in, in the prequels yeah all right so let's score this thing you guys uh i was at about a four out of ten before this conversation and you talked me up actually no 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 i'm sorry i was at like a three and i'm at i'm at a 
I'm currently, I think, out of five out of ten. I think you guys talked me up like two whole. Carson's stuff. holding back right now. Carson is holding back. So, oh, so, so, Phantom Menace, we got a six and a half, and Attack of the Clones, I'm going to give it a five. Um, out of these two that we've talked about so far, I prefer Phantom Menace. I think I'm the only one that will say that, but that's fine. Now, David, uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Sure. Take the Darth Maul fight out of Phantom Menace. Is it better or worse? Um. Well, the love story is still there, so it's. I mean, it's probably. I like them about the same. It ties it up. Well, I'll, uh, I'll accept that. Yeah, I would say the the Darth Maul fight scene isn't even really like it, it is my favorite fight scene in the in the prequels, but it isn't even like the number one. I mean, it might be the number one. I don't know, but it isn't like eighty percent of why I like that movie. It's like a good chunk but not like a massive chunk of why I like that movie more. Um, I think that this movie just has more fundamental flaws that like are unfixable. I think you can just like, there literally is fan edits or is a fan edit of the Phantom Menace where they just fix Jar Jar and make him not funny and give him like uh, an alien language and, and subtitles. And the movie is like so much better. Um, that's like a fixable thing you can just do. Someone just did it. I don't know how to fix this movie, <laughs> and 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 still go where they need to go. And I don't cuts. well, like the love. How do you fix the love story? How do you so much so many different things around? Like how do you fix this and still get it to where it needs to be by the end of the movie to connect to Revenge of the Sith? I don't know. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Carson, where are you at? So um, I kind of gave a little bit of my reasoning earlier. Sure. Um, like basically being like i get all the criticisms especially like the love scenes now to me that's not like i be i should have like um time stamped the movie to see how much time is spent uh, in those scenes i don't know um i feel like it's not enough to like take it down four points just off that which i know it's not for you i know i'm no, not saying yeah that, well um, but i think like, i would say off the top of my head there's at least six scenes that i would say these yeah. are scenes that are contributing to the love story and even yeah. if they're only two minutes a piece which is pretty small yeah and I, and I, and i'm also trying to be like conservative on that there's probably more i would guess it to be about like maybe 15 20 minutes yeah um, but if like, 15 20 minutes total, of the movie suck but 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 it, and, I, and i would say like <laughs> tied for the second longest though well, so that helps yeah that's true well, yes. and, and i would say not all of those like some of those those love scenes aren't they're not all bad like when i say love scenes i i anakin only one anakin padme scenes right anakin, the anakin padme, padme not, scenes. not all of those are bad um no but as as um but so like i get all the criticisms they're very fair on like i don't um they, they don't bother me as much as they bother you for sure um yeah but to me the, this movie introduces so many more important star wars concepts and just like things than phantom menace um and just like um things that like kind of define star wars for me um and even just like interesting aspects relating to the star wars universe so for that reason um i do like it better than the phantom menace um and i actually was going to give this movie the same score that i gave phantom menace originally i was going to give it a 6.5 um but um 
I actually got to thinking about it because off podcast, we kind of talked about like where we were going to rank it in terms of even like some of the other non Skywalker saga movies. And I realized that I enjoy this movie far. Like I really do enjoy this movie. And because of that extra enjoyment factor, even if it's not the best for that extra enjoyment factor, I'm going to round up to a seven. Nice. Yeah. I think that you guys, you and John are more like idea guys in terms of like, like that means nothing to me. Like, <laughs> yes. like I'm not trying to. I'm not saying that as a like a judgment on you. I'm just saying like I could not care less that we finally get to see the Clone Wars because I don't really. It, the Clone Wars, the animated show, does a better job to me of showing me the Clone Wars. So I'm like, this is the worst version of that. Like that kind of stuff. Like so, like the, the love story is like the go-to, um, like uh, easy pitch softball like you know t-ball home run hit but like there are a lot of little small things where i'm like yeah you know even though uh this movie is more important probably overall than phantom menace i'm like but that movie is better i i think it's better made that's kind of where i'm leaning is more like as an individual movie is it better made because although there are a lot of important things in attack of the clones um I don't necessarily care. <laughs> I, I, I do like I do like to look at those negative things like that as th- through a lens of um, trying to widening the audience that that we have or, th- or that, that the Star Wars universe had, because at that point it was a lot of just a lot of dudes living in their mom's basement. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so at, like as a kid, Jar Jar was a, one of my favorite parts of Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he it wasn't until I got older like man this dude's a little annoying yeah but as a kid Jar Jar was one of my favorite characters and now uh in in looking through that lens of like early two early 2000s rom-coms uh that love story story kind of holds up (laughs) but kind of I want to preface by kind of but it's not good but (laughs) But it, it does it does better than what you would look at it now, and I think Disney finally has perfected that a lot more uh, oh, yeah. with with the newer trilogy with yeah. with uh, with the sequels. But yeah, I, I I think to Carson's point, yeah, it it there those smaller moments uh, they don't outweigh it as much in my opinion. Yeah. So what was your overall score? So my overall score, um, it in my heart and in my, in like my personal background, I want to rank it like an eight. Yeah. But I I feel, I feel dirty for doing that. (laughs) Um, So I want to throw it to like a 7.2 ish. (laughs) Yes. If I can do that. Um, It's your score, man. um, We were, we were kind of having a, a, a hot debate of like how I would rank this yeah. in, in all the nine movies of the Skywalker trilogy, excluding the rogue one and, and solo. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard for me. It's definitely in the lower half of, yeah. of my ranking. Um, but I, I think it's like maybe somewhere around number eight, like, Oh man, this is hard. No, number, I, I, I'll put it at number seven. If, number seven. if number one is my favorite, I'll, I'll put it around number seven. Out of nine. Yeah, out of nine. Soccer. Yeah, Carson and I, we'll get into where we put each one as we go along. Carson, so you, I mean, obviously, if you gave this a seven, you would prefer this over Phantom Menace. Yes. 
And then would you pick this over Phantom Menace or no? Nine, uh, one, 10 times out of 10. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah. I think you're going to say no. I was like, oh, okay. yeah. I was surprised by that. 1,000%. I, I, yeah. I would pick this. I, yeah. I, I can 100% say that, uh, well, I, I think the proof's in the pudding. I still have a usable uh, VHS of uh, yeah. Phantom, Phantom Menace Phantom. And, oh. and not, not a, a usable, usable DVD of Attack of the Clones. There you go. <laughs> That's it. I think that's I think that's where we end the podcast right there. <laughs> no, so thank you guys for joining me so much, and thank you listeners for uh, tuning in to this week as we talk about Attack of the Clones. So let me know on the Instagram page uh, what do we get right, what do we get wrong, what do you think, where, where would you rate it? Are you higher than all of us? Are you lower than all of us? Are you somewhere in the middle? Odds are you're probably somewhere between a five and an eight. But let me know. I want to hear from you guys. So. Uh, again, that Instagram is at shady underscore buffalo underscore podcast. Look forward to hearing your opinion on this topic uh, at the Instagram page. And with that, we'll talk to you next week.